What's up, witches? Wow, that was that was that was three different states. It was. It was an extra voice this time. Giving you an introduction. Hello. Hello to all of you fantastic and wonderful listeners out there. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Chinese. I haven't had enough coffee yet. I'm sitting here drinking water like a moron. I should you really... are, Yes, you are being a moron. Mm. I, I actually went out to Starbucks five minutes before we started recording and bought myself the largest coffee I could get at Starbucks. Which is probably still nowhere even close to as much coffee as you could put in that ginormous mug of yours. It, it's not, but I didn't have to make it. Well, there's something there. And well, it has all the all the pepperminty, syrupy, sugary goodness in it. So that's that's always a plus. So what is our third mystery guest? Our third more? mystery guest? I don't know. It's it's such a mystery. It's such an insane mystery. But I will say, ever since our third mystery guest joined us, I'm missing some hair. <laughs> I'm sitting here stroking it gently. Oh, you're ah! sweet mother. <laughs> Good morning, Corey. Corey Good is joining morning. us. From New World Witchery, of course, and he is also, you know, our, our dear, dear friend who we love so much but hide our hair from. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, anytime Corey comes into the room, you must hide your hairbrush. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. How are I, you, Corey? I seriously, I don't know why I earned the reputation as the hair stealer, but I kind of like it. No, see, this is, and this actually reminds me of, of things that would happen, like, in high school, which just shows you the maturity level at Supermoot every year. Um some random joke you made some joke about you know stealing stealing hair because yes. we were all in my hotel room yes mm -hmm. and and it just blew up it, so now every time anybody refers to you you are the one who steals hair and does naughty things to people with it <laughs> i kind of like that it is your it is purely your fault as long as it's a reputation that you don't mind <laughs> i'm good with it uh, Corey, it makes me sound like all sinister and badass in like the lamest possible way, so I kind of like it. <laughs> Corey, for the three people that have no idea who you are, why you would be on this show, go ahead and give a, uh, give the listeners of this particular podcast a little introduction to who you be. I be the uh, one of the hosts and the blogman in charge of NewWorldWitchery.com and the New World Witchery podcast, which is a podcast focusing on North American folk magic. Is, is that all you need to know? Which is that, super cool. It's one of the yes. one of the best shows on the interwebs. Aw, thanks. I'll send you your money later. Thanks. And and I have to say, I am I am somewhat intimidated by by having both of you on on the line today on the show today because <laughs> not not because I I necessarily think that I'm you know a complete imbecile, but. Firelight, you have a much larger vocabulary than I do, and Corey, you have a much more encyclopedic knowledge of all things that we talk about. So I think I'm the one who's going to come off looking stupid in this discussion. I will never forget. Just in case. I will never forget Supermoot, and we're in Witchy Wearables in Midlothian, Illinois, and we're sitting there looking. Oh, that's a neat little carving of this rooster star thing. <laughs> what is that? And Corey launches into this half hour like dissertation <laughs> thesis on what this is, where it came from, the history of who created it, all of the different symbols used, the different variations on what it could be. I mean, it was the most incredible thing I have ever heard come out of anybody's mouth in my life. Yes. The only, the only way that we might have a slight advantage is that this particular show, there is no research allowed. That is like written into 
the bylaws of how we do this show, you may not do any research ahead of time. Except, of course, for the show that we have already done on Christopaganism, which I believe was episode... <laughs> three. I think three. it was three, actually. So that, we did actually you're searching for. Yes, we did actually do some research for that particular show, which if that's you know something you're interested in, you can go back and listen to episode three. Episode three um, would be three. all of the things that you need to know for Christopaganism. Yes. Um, but yes, that there's no research involved. So at least the two of them have not studied up on that these topics. That is very true. And, so, and I can't tell you what a what a icy cold feeling of panic is in the bottom <laughs> of my stomach with the idea of being on the air and no research. See, I had to, Corey, and you don't understand, when I first started, Velma had to tell me, listen, you can, because I would do research. You, Velma will back me up here. I would do research for the first couple of shows because I just could not help myself. And then she said, listen, I'm not doing any, so stop. <laughs> Well, and I think, but see, part of the reason why we started doing this show in the first place was because we would get on the phone and without doing any research, because it was just natural conversation, have these amazing discussions with each other really about all the these, you know, really interesting in topics. So it wasn't like we needed to do the research to have an interesting discussion. Now, research could add to it, maybe, but well, really, it's the discussion <laughs> that... Research just so helped me prove some point to somebody that wasn't really caring about my point, <laughs> is what I realized exactly. later on. Exactly. But we have some various points that uh, Corey responded to. Uh, yeah, that's the reason why Corey is on the show. After the last show, he sent us an email. Well, since we have the author of the email, Corey, did you want to either read the email that you sent us or go over the questions that you had or the comments from, from our last show? I, I can do that. Give me just a second to pull that one up specifically. And now, I will say that I did uh, have to give Corey the evil eye. And it's a good thing that he has the evil eye protectors all over his house because I, he, he screwed up our names. Whether it, yes, whether, but see, whether intentionally or 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 not. It's, no, it's see, we still... we know we know Corey well enough to know that that's not the kind of thing that he screws up unintentionally. Well, I understand this. Right, of course. But but then he stole my hair, so he, yeah, he he got the firelight punishment. There's a pitchfork. Uh -huh. pitch Found it, yes. On it. Actually, actually, knowing that I did the wrong names helped me find that one, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want me to read this whole thing? This is you this would be half of your episode. You, you, you don't no, you have, don't have, to, have to, to read the whole thing. You don't have to read the whole thing. We can go over the points. That, yeah, the okay. things that you wanted to comment on. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, you're welcome. I called you. I, okay. I said, hi, Velma Light Fireshade, because I assume that you're one person when you're on this show. We you are. Sort of we are actually. We do. We are. Yeah. One person. It's, it's sort of a fight club thing. I'm listening to well, Edward Norton talk like, to the Brad Pitt like, part of himself. It's, it's like very Captain, scientific. We don't go into details. No. We, it's, like, it's sort of like a Captain Planet kind of thing. When our powers combined, we become this, <laughs> this almighty being of epicness. Who's got the crappy Mati power of heart? <laughs> uh, that would be him. That oh, would be him. That would be me. That would be me. All right. Are you? So you're going to be? Uh, is it Lena that has the awesome wind power? <laughs> I always had fire power. I did. Oh, you were a wheeler. I was. I'm. I'm 
showing i'm kind of geeking now all right anyway you're, you're both way bigger geeks than i do because did you, i have did you see the no meme did you see the meme on fire uh, on firelight on firebook on facebook <laughs> not everything is fire or something no I'm, not everything surrounds you not sweetheart. everything surrounds me um no the uh the the meme that was running around facebook this week of um if you look at the the kids from the magic school bus and then you look at a picture of the kids from captain planet they're the exact same kids just grown up Oh, that's fun. It's good to, good to know they had a career ahead of them. The exact same. Okay, Although, seriously? Who was wasting time figuring that out? No, no, nobody. <laughs> no one. Although, if you really think about it, like maybe all the drugs they were taking to be on the magic school bus, because that's clearly a psychedelic trip, Absolutely. might have influenced their perception of being able to summon some sort of blue man out of the earth to fight eco-villains. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Corey, go ahead. Anyway. All right, so, yes, latest episode, 10 minutes away from finishing the show, um, and I wanted to hit on a couple of highlights, occult jewelry. Uh, Okay, so the thing I was thinking about there was um, I kept waiting for you guys to get into a discussion about sometimes people wear occult jewelry so that they can make a connection with other people like them. Uh, And I say, for example, if I see someone wearing a pentacle, I almost always say, I like your jewelry or something like it which gives me an icebreaker to talk about witchy things with them if the situation is appropriate. Like, obviously, if I'm checking out of Target and I see somebody wearing a pentacle, I might be like, hey, I like your jewelry, and that's the, that's the end of the conversation. But, you know, in a coffee shop, I might see you know, somebody at another table and say, hey, I really like, I like your star. Uh, and it gives, it gives you sort of a moment that you can kind of connect, break the ice, you sort of acknowledge I'm one too, and then maybe have a conversation with them and sort of, you know, make a new friend. Um, and I was saying it sort of acts like a secret handshake. Um, and then I brought up the whole idea about the Pythagoreans of Greece, who also used the the five-pointed star as sort of a, a symbol to know each other um, as a secret society. So that I was think that's one a very th- I think that's a very good point. And I, I don't think it occurred to either of us. And in my own case, it's because I try to repel people instead of invite conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not true. But no, I I no, that true. had not so that did not occur to me at all. I don't know if that occurred to you. Um, but I, it, it didn't even occur to me when we were talking about it. it. It didn't occur to me at first, but then as soon as he said it, I thought, why did this not occur to us? Well, why, yes. <laughs> why did this not? Because I, I thought, what, how true. But I will say it probably didn't occur to me because um, it's it's uh, the because a lot of those, the, the, the Pythagoreans, um, the early Christians even, um, a lot of people don't know that the reason that, you know, you, you see those fish on the cars, um, you know, Christians pe- uh, putting their those little fish on the cars. That that particular fish, the Christian fish, uh, actually um, was basically a way for Christians to find each other uh, in in the ancient times when Christianity was brand new and the pagans were hunting them out and killing them dead and put, putting them in the lion's dens. Um, but basically, uh, what one would do was come by and mark you know, basically a demi-loon, basically a, a, you know, one half of that fish. And then somebody else would come along and see that and sort of uh, uh, finish it off and create the other side of the fish and say, you know, you know, I'm here, this is where we'll meet, or it's, it was sort of a marker point, come this way for sermons, come this way to meet like-minded people, Um, you know, uh, it, it, it was a it was a cool marker point. I think possibly the reason it didn't ever come up to me because it's not the creation of a symbol; it's the wearing of one. But no, you're absolutely right. It, it is it is a way to mark sort of who we are, and it is sort of that kind of secret underground 
you know, pentacle society kind of thing. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, it's definitely very cool. And I've, I've done that before, um, you know, especially working at a bookstore for the five minutes that I did. Um, the, the coffee, uh, the, the coffee part of the bookstore was right next to the new age section because, I don't know, because the people that were designing that store are brilliant and know that <laughs> we need caffeine more than any other group of people. Um, but no, I, you know, I'd see people and say, you know, I'd strike up conversations and uh, it, it, it always uh, led to really interesting discussions. But no, yes, very good point, Corey. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> All right. And it, well, and then sort of an outgrowth of that, I was, I was thinking that you, we, you guys have been talking about... Um, you know, people devaluing their symbol by saying, oh, it's just a star or, oh, it's just a, a lucky symbol or something like that. Um, and I think if you're using it as a sort of coded message to the outside world, then it's not devaluing it if you're, if you're only letting, if you're sort of only letting the initiated in on your secret kind of a thing. But that's just me. Kika agrees. Kika, Kika agrees. All right. Kika likes your ideas. Sorry. Does she wish to subscribe to my newsletter? She does, indeed. Yes, please. She's she's trying to click subscribe right now, and I'm afraid she's going to kill Skype. Uh, okay. Um, the next thing I talked about was the science and paganism. Uh, you were you, you were not you were not on that episode with me. No. Okay. I can't. I I always think you are. Every time I go back to listen to that, or every time somebody talks it's about because it, because Corey's so smart. I always That's... think I had you on, and I don't know why I didn't. I think I've got you guys like hardcore fooled or something. Like I think that that the the Chimaruta. No, and I the... think you're. I think you're smarter than you think you are. <laughs> I just think it's a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing, and you guys happen to be around when I'm striking twelve. That's 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 kind of how well, I think. You it. strike twelve an awful lot. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> anyway, um. So with the science and paganism, without getting into the whole huge thing, I, basically I said I agree with Velma mostly on this in saying that there has to be wiggle room on both fronts. Um, so people need to be willing to accept that science doesn't necessarily know everything uh, and, and not treat it as gospel in the same way that you necessarily you shouldn't necessarily te- treat religious facts as gospel either. Um, just because there there's always room for improvement on either set of ideas. Um, and I get well, into and a really I, long spiel about that, but that's well, probably and I way do think more. it's I do think it's kind of presumptuous for anybody to assume that they have all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's that's always been my problem: is that the hardcore science people say, "Oh no, science can explain everything," and the hardcore religious people say, "Oh no, religion can explain everything." Well, no, <laughs> you can't. You can't explain everything. Neither one of you can. You have to sort of work together and figure out what explanations work. And they may come from one area or the other, but I, I think you have to make allowances for that. Well, and then the, the problem then becomes, especially whenever you're trying to marry those two seemingly, seemingly diametrically opposed uh, you know, groups of people, then the problem becomes you get the, the pardon my language, but the cluster fluff. That was uh, what I didn't realize cluster fluff was a bad word. Okay. Well, it is a terribly <laughs> fattening ice cream from Ben and Jerry's, so it's it's it has so many calories. It is a bad word. Oh, I can imagine if you do a Google world. Okay. I can imagine if you do a Google image search for cluster fluff with the with the safe search off, you'd get some pretty awful stuff. <laughs> I I'll let you do that, Corey. <laughs> Thanks, but no. Okay. Um. Let's see. I no. Um. You get the the disgusting conglomeration orgiastic mess that was what the bleep do we know? 
mm-hmm. which, oh my gods, the pagan community holds up as, look, science says that what we've been doing all along is true. See, and I still have not read that book or seen that movie. Well, unfortunately... I think I, I, think I have it. I think vast, I have both the book and the movie. The vast majority of the research that was purported in that movie and book has been negated by the rest of the scientific community. And it, it has been refuted, the vast majority of it. Uh, and but see, what's so interesting to me is how you set up that comment saying that they are, you know, seemingly completely, you know, diametrically opposed to each other. They're not. They're trying to answer the same questions. No, They're I just understand. Going about that's it that's totally why I say when you when that's you try what's and... to me is that you can't get a scientist and you know a, a super religious person on the same page, even though they're trying to answer the same questions. They're trying to to get answers to the same things. They're just doing it in different ways, and that they will well, but, butt heads harder than anybody else in the world. But the reason, and 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 I, you know, this this is very pluggy for that one episode of mine, but but only because there aren't a lot of other shows that have done something like that. Um, you know, brought scientists and 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 spiritual people together um, that are the same people. But the thing is that our perception of scientists is that they're not spiritual beings. And that's just not true. Yes, a lot of the scientific community is is an atheist or agnostic or something like that. But the thing is, a lot of people in general are atheist or agnostic. I mean, it's the second largest group of people underneath Christianity. And people forget that. People think when you talk about the top 10 religions in the world, well, you just can't count atheist or agnostic because that's not a religion. Yes, but if you did count it, it would be number two. Um, so, you know, a lot of people forget that, but like, like I said, it, it doesn't mean that scientists are not spiritual beings and that they, they don't recognize that. So that's why I did that episode because, you know, there, there are people that can marry the two sides. Um, you know, but I, another thing that I did, um, want to point out is, is something that, uh, some of my new good friends, Ross and Carrie over at Ono, Ross and Carrie, a great, uh, skeptical investigation show. I don't know if either of you started to listen to it or not. Um, but, uh, they brought up a point one time, is science right all the time or is science only right when it's backing up your spiritual claims? Because what happens a lot of times, um, when they do investigations, when I've, uh, done investigations, um, whenever, you know, I've taken on topics, you know, for example, uh, the law of attraction, it's something that, you know, a lot of people use very pseudoscientific ideas. That's a lot of the basis for the, the show, what the bleep do we know, um, is this whole method of the law of attraction, this whole idea of the law of attraction. And the thing is, a lot of the science behind it is actually crap. Um, the people that 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 gave these uh, scientific findings actually either made them up or or put together very teeny tiny shreds of, of what nobody would call evidence and said, oh, look what I've proven. Um, and the vast majority of it is complete bunk. But the problem is that once you've said to, a, you know, the pagany, new agey, magically communities that, hey, we've put together this sort of confirmation bias uh, set of, of information to prove the law of attraction, they will hold on to that forever. And you'll always hear, oh, no, science proves this or science proves that and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, actually, if, if you really want to say what science is starting to prove or disprove, it disproved all of that kind of thing. And the, the problem with marrying that is that 
is that once you've found something that backs it up, you also have to be aware that later science can can disprove that. But and Well, and part of that, though, is also our popular culture, because when they prove, you know, that the law of attraction is real, it's controversial, it's sexy, it's, you know, it's a hot button issue, everybody's talking about it, they're writing books, they're making movies, they are talking, 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 talking. And then they disprove it, and there's three sentences in the bottom of a scientific journal that all of 12 people on the entire planet actually read, and nobody thinks to look for it, because after all, they haven't heard that anything was disproven, Right. because nobody wants to talk about, oh, sorry, no, that, that scientific research was crap. Nobody wants to talk about that, so that's not front page news. Something that I and wrote back. Something that I wrote back to Corey of- in in response to this was that we're willing to wiggle as long as the w- wiggling ends up with an agreement, uh, or with the other side acquiescing to our way of thinking. And and I think that 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 is the problem is that we are not spiritual scientists, and that's sort of where I try to come at spirituality from. And I, and I get a lot of flack for it. And I'm, I don't know if Corey has, but uh, I know a lot of the other people that were on that show have gotten some flack for it. Being a spiritual scientist is, is somebody that, you know, yes, definitely has that side, but definitely also, uh, you know, em- embraces science. Um, but, I, but yeah, go ahead, Corey. Well, but, and the, but I, I do kind of want to, want to make sort of a contrapuntal uh, thing in there as well. I'm sorry, say, what? A, 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 counterpoint. A, a counterpoint. Counterpoint, um, okay. To say right. that, It's too early for big words. <laughs> to say that, you know, I agree that there has to be wiggle room for, from the religious side, but there also has to be that wiggle room from the scientific side because Absolutely. science constantly is in a state of flux and change as well. There are theories that get proven and disproven constantly. Um, and because the they're theories, is, they're ideas, they're things that need to be tested, that need to be, um, y- you know, researched further. And I think that one of the things I brought up was, uh, you know, people sort of understand uh, evolution in terms of Darwinian evolution. Well, Darwinian evolution is not necessarily the standard perception of evolution in the modern scientific community. There's a lot more. Um, there, there, there's a sort of an even split between people saying uh, evolution follows Stephen Jay Gould's punctuated equilibrium thesis, and there are people that followed the more Darwinian phyletic gradualism. Um, and so you've got these two competing ideas, but neither one is exclusively true, but neither one completely disproves the other either. They're they're just two two ideas. Well, and the uh, thing is, I, I mean, uh, even uh, w- one of my favorite books of all time is Ishmael uh, by uh, what's his name Quinn or something. Um, but, uh, you know, in it, they talk in, in Ishmael, they talk about, um, the, the, the idea of an ultimate argument. And I'm sure I'm getting the term wrong. I'm sure I'm just making it up just for fun. But, um, but the idea behind this ultimate argument is that there will never be an ultimate argument that will fully disprove the other side. And I don't think, um, as far as whenever you're trying to take, you know, spirituality and science and put them together. I don't think that you're ever going to create an argument that fully and completely disproves the other side because the other side will always have something that that an argument cannot get around. And for spirituality, for, for, for spiritualists, it's faith. It is, yes, you can put these facts in front of me, but I have faith that, you know the divine is X or that magic is X or whatever. Um, and science, you know, well, they've, they've got facts. They have, well, you can put all the spirituality in front of me that you want, but you can't recreate this in a lab setting. Therefore, you know, I have this. Um, but the, the idea then becomes is that, that you have both of those sides have then created their own gray, their own gray areas, their own areas where, 
that they they have created their own areas of wiggle room. They just don't see it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a problem. I mean, on both sides of getting entrenched, where where you get entrenched in uh, either you know my my experiences are my absolute faith, and therefore you know nothing that they can't be wrong because my experiences are true. Right. For the, from the spiritual side and on the scientific side, they say, well, here's this this study that was published in 1986, and that's the that's the study that I you know went to college and learned in college, and so that's my scientific fact, and they're not really updating with with current research things like that, and that's just that's bad science, obviously. And the but. thing, and where sort of for me the point of of marriage of the two, um, and where I was really able to get very balanced about about you know, embracing science, but also embracing spirituality um, was I, I, I had I had thought it myself, but I didn't put it into into words as well as, um, oh, gosh, and her name is escaping me. She was on <laughs> on the science episode. She's a doctor. Um, oh, goodness. Oh, well. Uh, but Aria they, Nightingale? Yes, Aria Nightingale. My apologies, Aria. So sorry. Name slipped my mind. My apologies. It's early morning. I haven't had caffeine. Um, but no, Arya said that, well, you can put all of the signs in front of her that you want. It doesn't necessarily disprove her faith because she is an earth worshiper. She worships the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and science is the study of the natural world. So all it does for her is just creates a greater understanding of that natural world. And see, that's actually what I was just going to bring up. I think in the pagan community, we sort of have a leg up on the Judeo-Christian um, religions when it comes to being able to accept science because we are not under the assumption that some great big guy with a beard sat down at his workbench and built our our you know created our little earth and then physically made a little man and a little woman and stuck them here we there is a broader understanding of there's a broader understanding (laughs) of the way no of the way that the you know what am i trying to say we we accept scientific ideas within the constructs of our religion more easily i think than a lot of because i mean what what would it cost the pagan community to accept that evolution is the way things happen see and that's sort of Nothing. one of one of my and bigger for, points is that is that for the pagan community you're absolutely right velma for the pagan community it wouldn't really call it it would not be too much of a leap i don't think it would not it, be too not much of a leap a crisis of faith. it's not going to cause a crisis of faith like it does if you sit down with a, you know a fundamentalist christian and try to explain evolution because first of all they're probably not going to listen to you at all and if it if they do it means that they then have to question their entire faith in order to accept science. And I think that may be part of the problem is, you know, for the pagan community, science is not that big of a threat. Right. Well, we're, we're more willing to accept things on metaphorical terms. Like we don't need the hard absolutes of everything written in a book is absolutely true. We can go and say, oh, that myth, you know, has truth in it, but it's not it, – it has truthiness. Right. As well, just, 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 for, right. just, just in the pagan community, you'll have a lot of creation stories. But I don't think any of us actually believes that that is but, how it happened, whereas – there's, there's a difference between having a creation story and being told the story of creation. That, mm-hmm. Well, yes, that is true. There's a big that difference, and that, and it's all in it's all in presentation, folks. <laughs> it really is. Wow, when you just did that, do you know what I I, I had a flash to Chicago, and the musical. And <laughs> oh, and the 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 song Razzle Dazzle. Yes, yes. 
Yes. Razzle dazzle yes. I'm telling you that. And they'll that's never what, catch on. Yes. Yep, that, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> Um, no, no. And, and the thing is, don't, don't think, you know, cause a lot of people, because my audience is mostly pagan. So I talk, talk about a lot of pagan topics, but the thing is a lot of religions do this and Christianity is, is definitely one of them. Um, they try and use science to prove the Bible, mm-hmm. which is so not a good way to do that. But you've right. got these, you know, Christian scientists that are like, you know, Hey, <laughs> Look at all this science that proves the Bible. Um, and, and one of the big examples that I remember from growing up and actually being taught this in Sunday school, there is a story. And I, again, the lovely bit of doing no research. I didn't know I was going here today, so I didn't I didn't prepare it. But there's a story where God supposedly stopped the sun in, uh, in the sky and basically, uh, you know, had this very long day or this very long night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, supposedly, you know, scientists have gone back and proven, oh no, there's a missing day. Well, other scientists went and said, that's absolute bull honky. <laughs> but Christian scientists, the, the Christian community latched onto the first bit and said, oh no, science proves this. And then they'll teach you that in Sunday school. I know because I was taught that in Sunday school. And they'll say, you know, oh, no, science proves this. The Bible is the the absolute truth, and science will eventually catch up to it, except when it disproves the that. Right. It, you, you made an interesting – you had an interesting turn of phrase there where you talked about them using science to prove the Bible. And I think it would be – I think it's a lot – more interesting and more dynamic when you when you sort of reverse that and you say we want to use myths to understand science you know i think you you can get a really deep understanding of of the world you can say look here are the hard cold facts of here's the mechanical reason that such and such works now how do i understand that as a human being how does that fit into the greater you know flow of my life i think that i think that Absolutely. that's a much interesting Absolutely. and i it. i think as spiritual people though i think that that is the exact point at which you can either tip the scales into being too spiritual or being too scientific and not understanding that metaphor is metaphor and it shouldn't be taken as literal reality. And, you know, fact is fact and it shouldn't be taken as truthiness. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) this is the way the world works, no matter how much disbelieving you have, or no matter how much faith you have, it's not going to work in a different way. Well, and every time I, and every time I hear somebody getting into a discussion like this, I always think of, you know, the, the, tales of you know uh, hundreds of years ago where you know some and the story changes constantly but you know some little child is being bad oh god is going to punish you for that and then there's an eclipse or you know some woman cheats on her husband and then there's an eclipse or something and it's like now we know why there are eclipses but for so long it was thought of as a sign from god well, did you ever or, see the or movie? Or further you... back, a sign from the gods, or you know, whatever natural phenomena that now we have a better understanding of were considered part of the, you know, divine connection to our everyday world. And I do think it's kind of too bad that we don't have that anymore. But at the same time, I think it's good that we have an understanding of how the physical world works because then, when some you know freak occurrences do actually happen, I think they carry a little bit more weight. Well, and um, did you ever see the movie Apocalypto? Anybody? No. No. Oh, well, this conversation is going to go somewhere real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, um, it it takes place in ancient, I think, Mayan civilization, though I think I might be using Mayans as a generic term for the ancient peoples of South America. But sure, we'll say Mayan. Um, (laughs) It's you and all of America right now doing that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies to 
to to my partner's ancestors. Um, uh, the uh, but there's a scene in which. You know, they're saying, oh, God, we're praying for rain, we're praying for rain. So they start sacrificing slaves, and they literally have this giant line of people lined all the way down this pyramid or whatever. And they just sit there just just killing people. It's just like a little sacrifice factory going on. They're just sitting there stabbing somebody, killing them, seeing, seeing, if, it, seeing if the rains come, looking up at the sky. Nope, no rain. Keep killing. Nope, that was the wrong slave. Next yeah, slave. Wrong slave. Well, <laughs> finally, they get to one, and all of a sudden, there's an eclipse. And the priest loses his mind, and yes, you know, the, the sacrifice is taken, and blah, blah, blah. And so that slave gets spared, and, you know, it's it's this key point in the movie. But, and I always watch that movie, and I think, it's a very good movie, by the way. You should totally watch it. Um, but I always watch that and think, you know, if these people knew a little bit more about astronomy, which I think they did, and I think that may have been played up yeah. for the movie. Yeah, that really frustrates me, actually, because, you know, if you're talking about oh, they had 2,000 to 3,000 years knowledge. ago, yeah. most most of those priests were at least amateur-level astrologers who could very easily have predicted eclipses in conjunction. But see, then you get into the intentional manipulation of the, of the people at, at large, you know, the, the unwashed masses who mm -hmm. believe everything you say and think that you are a messenger of God and you do speak to God, and mm -hmm. then... You you know absolute power corrupts absolutely, well, and then I you use you use your knowledge because you know this is going to scare the crap out of everybody. So I need to get the most bang for my buck when this happens. So let you know, and it just it becomes a whole mess. I <laughs> just a cluster. I hate fluff? that a cluster. Fluff? Yes, yes. <laughs> Whatever. Excellent, Corey. You had a third point. Oh, I did, didn't I? You did. Uh, let's go back over here. Freeish will. Oh, free-ish will. Um, yes. So the something had come up about manipulative magic, which I think we're going to kind of get into later uh, we, in the show, too. We are. Twice. Yes. We are going to so, get over to it twice over. So I'll just sort of throw a really lightweight version of this out there and say, when is magic not manipulative? You know, And how does that jive with magic it has been, as it's been historically practiced by the broader population? Uh, and I'm talking about people pre-1960s neo-pagan movements, you know. It, it, it's just one of those things where I think of it as, if you look at historical examples, you know, the cunning folk of of, of Britain in the 18th and 19th centuries, um, the you know the the hill folk yarb doctors, and uh, you know any of the the examples of folk magic practitioners that existed, you know, prior to the neo pagan movement. The idea of manipulation in magic is it, it, it's just hand in hand. It's, there's no. There's no like, well, you need to worry about the karmic repercussions of doing X, Y, or Z. Well, it's it, it's just that you do you do what you do to remedy the situation. That that's yeah, I mean, if you manipulate somebody to do it, you have to do it. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole purpose of doing magic is to change circumstances so that something happens that was you did not at, at least think was going to happen anyway. Right. right. You, uh, you either you're increasing the odds of something happening, or or maybe you, you know. And some people would say that you're actually making it happen when it would not have happened naturally. But but whatever the case, you're you're definitely trying to to change something. You're trying to right. manipulate something. Yeah, and no matter what you're doing, no matter you know what the benevolent purpose is for magic, you know even healing magic is manipulating things. Right. I mean, it, you know, there's just there's no way to get around that. Now, when it comes to manipulating people. Mm -hmm. I think there is a little bit of delineation. Well, and, and okay, and so I get into that a little bit and I said, you know, okay, so if you're manipulating a person's health who's sick and, and 
and your you know your patient can sense okay no free will intrusion but what if the person is sick due to work related stress and the work related stress is because the boss is putting a lot of pressure on that person to perform at a higher level because they need increased productivity or else they're going to be you know they're going to get sick from stress or they're going to lose their job and be destitute then you're manipulating somebody else in a, in a sort of removed secondhand kind of way even though you're not intending to do it there's always there's this chain of events that's going to be set off by you manipulating anything but at the same time, you step on a butterfly and it rains in Africa. Everything affects everything else. Exactly. No matter whether it's, it doesn't matter if it's magic or not. You know, right. Everything that watching, you do. I was watching an interesting documentary and it just because this show is full of squirrels. Um, you no, know, the, <laughs> the whole idea of the butterfly effect, uh, you know, oh, well, there's this, the, the butterfly effect is, and that's, that's something that's taken hold on our popular culture, that, that, that is, that is, a, that is a truth that there somewhere is a butterfly, but, but some scientist out there is still looking for that particular butterfly that's causing hurricanes and has never yet found it. Okay. I was just using it as a, no, I know it's but... just, it's just one of those interesting, <laughs> well, but it's one of those sort of interesting meetings of, of, of science and, and, and spirituality. And it's this, oh, well, what you do is going to cause terrible, terrible things somewhere else. And I, you know, and, and we are going to get into that in a little bit when we start discussing the, the threefold law, but it's, I don't know. I don't put a lot of stock in some you you, <laughs> you you go to the mailbox and that means that somebody somewhere is carrying a suicide bomb into a mall or something i i just no but you know when you're walking down the street and you you know see somebody else coming the other direction and you happen to you know m- meet meet gazes do you smile do you say hi do you say good morning because i flash that, them be, okay but see my <laughs> okay, my point is even something like that that is seemingly incredibly trivial can affect the other person. Because, I mean, at one point, okay, I was on vacation, right? And I had taken a little walk somewhere to go get coffee probably because that's what I do. Um, and I was sitting on a park bench and, and sipping my coffee in the morning. And there were some people walking to work. And I was astonished because three different people walked past me and saw me. And said good morning. And you know what? It made my day better. It made my whole day better. Because it put me into a happy mood in the morning. And it's amazing. Everything you do. Everything you do when it comes to interacting with other people. Can. Not does. But can. Have an effect on that other person. Regardless of whether or not it is magical in nature. So I think the key for me. Is be conscious of all things you do when it comes to interactions with other people, not just magical things. I think we need to acknowledge that everything we do with others can impact them. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I mean, my, my point in all that was to say that I I don't think an, an imposed set of rules about manipulation is the way to go. I think you have to find out what your conscience says is right and, and follow that. Like I think somebody saying, Oh, you should never do manipulative magic. Well, that's they don't know your situation or your circumstances. They don't right. know what you need to do to get by in life. And they don't know that maybe your manipulative magic doesn't have some very positive repercussions. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, most people, ho- hopefully most people can have a conscience that is a- able to detect right and wrong in a situation um, and, and use that to, to guide their decisions. But, you know, you just have to kind of find your own level of comfort with that when it comes to manipulation and, and magic. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I have magic that I do on occasion that is completely non-manipulative. Um, when the power goes out, I gather my quartz crystals around and I think happy thoughts at them and then they glow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? Are we going to go there? You're, you're manipulating the darkness. That's not fair to the darkness. <laughs> Somebody needs that darkness. I need that darkness. <laughs> Yes, and I and I would like some sort of um, scientific evidence that you can do this, and I would like you to be able to repeat this demonstration on command. <laughs> you have to do it with Richard Dawkins in the room holding a video Ooh, camera. Ooh, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> I love that man. That's not contentious, right? <laughs> I love that man. That's a funny guy. Yeah. He's a funny, funny guy. Have you seen the South Park episode with Richard Dawkins in it? I have not, actually, it's, no. It's brilliant. It's it's such a brilliant take on the whole atheist versus scientist. Do they introduce him to Jesus because Jesus lives in South Park? Yes. Uh, no, they don't. No, Jesus now lives in Imagination Land, actually. But um, oh, nice! I like yeah, that. He moved there with Santa and like I'm trying to remember who else is there, like He Man and everybody else. Did, did did he move there with all of the other what 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 are the, that superhero team that Jesus is on? From Super Park. Friends or whatever it is. Something like that where there's, you know, Ganesh or whatever. They're all on right. there. And, and, and fake Muhammad. And Buddha is on there and he's got the powers of flame. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think... I have not watched South Park in a very long time. South Park is one of the most amazing things to ever happen to television. It's very uh, smart. It's a times. very smart show. It is a very smart show. The okay, only problem had... with it is it's so topical that if you watch old seasons, it's not as funny because it didn't just happen. But they, oh my God, they stay right on top of what is going on in pop culture and the news. It is It is an amusing show that has some episodes that are brilliant. I'm not, gonna, yes. I'm not going to well, agree that yes. the entire series no. is smart. Yes, that's <laughs> no, true. But, but, I, but the moments of brilliance outshine. The moments them. of brilliance are brilliant. Yes, yeah. they, are, they are completely inspired. Honestly, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest, if they ever compile a list of the best television episodes, not shows in general, but te best television episodes, their Scientology episode had better be on it. Their Scientology episode, their Mormonism episode, and I, and I would say the Richard Dawkins episode, honestly. They're, I will they're just, have to go find that somewhere then. They're brilliant takes on on sort of, because, you know, they're, they, they seem to have a very strong, you know, atheist leaning themselves. But they also are very sympathetic to people who have religion, and they're—it's just the most even-handed treatment oh, absolutely. Of, of people, absolutely. and I love it. Yes. Speaking of um, magic, oh, right. so, we, we were yes, talking I was about just magic say, in that I... last uh, in that last little bit, and it was an inspiration because one of the other things that we wanted to talk about is the idea um, or the the difference between magic and witchcraft, Velma. Yes. Velma, this was your topic, so you take yes, that. Yes, I was. I was actually going to set it up, but oh, you okay, just did, you so. go right on. Ahead. Go no, right. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I'd like to no, hear your thoughts it's on totally this. Totally. Oh, my thoughts. I don't. Well, I don't both of both of your thoughts. Um, I, I don't Since really you know. Totally just stole. I don't my really thunder. know. I don't know that I have to. Thunder so Stealer. I'm sorry. I don't worship Thor. I apologize. Well, Velma. Okay, since since this is the topic that you wanted to do, what? Okay, let me let me let me just yeah. back up, and set this up properly. Um, <laughs> um, it was not it was not actually my topic. It was a topic that one of my friends brought up. She was reading a this the the late the, a new book, um, a discovery of witches, mm -hmm. that great big blue book. 
um, that uh, I have not actually read yet because I've looked at it and gone, wow, that's a really big blue book. So I'm going to wait for paperback because I, if I hold that up, it'll break my arm. Um, but she says it's, at one point in this, they get into a discussion about the difference between what is magic versus what is witchcraft. And I don't know how they resolve it in the book or if they resolve it in the book, but that's sort of where it came from. And I started thinking about it and I honestly don't know. I, I really am not sure. I know in my head there is a differentiation slightly, but I'm not sure what it is because I think magic okay, can exist me, outside let me, of let witchcraft. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think that you can do magic without doing witchcraft to do that magic? Just personally speaking, not in general, not what can the witch down the block do. Well, do see, you but, in your personal – do you personally see, think that you – But see, this is where it gets complicated because – when I do magic, I consider it witchcraft. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. We're trying to get to what, what do you think both of them are, or do you think they're the same thing? And um, that's what I was trying to say, is I'm not sure. I think, I think magic can exist without being witchcraft. I think all witchcraft is magic. Can you give me an example of a time when magic can exist without doing something to cause that magic? <sighs> Because personally speaking, and I guess that just gave away mine, I think that witchcraft is the, is, the, is the craft that a witch does to create magic. Okay, well, then to, to complicate. To, to funnel magic or to channel the energies of magic. Okay. So, 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 so. Just, just to play devil's advocate then. So if you pray to a specific deity to bring you something or to provide something to you, and that is provided... Since theoretically that would be divine intervention, would that be magic without witchcraft? I do not consider it either magic or witchcraft. What do you consider it? I consider it, like you said, divine intervention. I think that I think that what the divine does is something else. But see, then then that sort of leads me into the necessity of defining our terms, which I know you just love. Um, <laughs> well, and, and okay, but, and beyond defining terms themselves, you also have to t sort of define. The audience that you're talking to, you have to define the time period you're in because. Well, right all now I think we're things. in a Jupiter hour, <laughs> and I've got some fire incense to counteract the Neptune. But, okay. No, modern modern day within the neo pagan community, what is the difference between okay. magic and witchcraft? Honestly, I think the majority of pagans would say there's a difference. Well, and I, 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 I don't know. In my head, there is, but I can't explain why. Well, yeah, I think I think I can kind of kind of take a bat at that. Um, in the modern neo pagan community, I think they would say that if you do witchcraft, there's a religious component to it. That it is it is, um, you know, and there's a ritual perhaps involved that you probably do have a deity involved uh, because it's sort of growing out of witchcraft as an expression of Wicca, the religion. Um, but that they might see magic as something that anybody could do regardless of religious affiliation. See, and that is so, it's so interesting to me that you say that because that is completely different than the way I think of it. Because I think of spirituality, mm -hmm. not as completely separate from witchcraft, but I, I think of witchcraft as being very much the mechanics of spellcraft and the performance of magic. And, and I do too. And I, and I, and I don't have... I don't have a spiritual component as part of that. And I firmly believe that if you practice witchcraft, there is no inherent spirituality associated with it. I and, think and if I, you 
practice Wicca or something similar, they go very well together and they blend together and you sort of lose track of what's what. But I, I don't consider there to be a religious component when it comes to witchcraft. I don't consider there to be a religious component in either one. I think that you can do magic as a Christian. I think that you can do magic as a Hindu. I think that you can do witchcraft in as a member of the Baha'i faith. I mean, what's the difference between magic that a Christian would do and magic that a witch would do? And here here again, you know, I I think we all sort of agree on it in the same way, but I think if we're actually looking at what the broader neo-pagan community believes, they're going to, they're going to lean towards, saying if you're using the term witchcraft you probably mean something related to wicca i i i would disagree with that but possibly i am i am projecting here a little bit mm-hmm. um but i i would disagree with that and say that i don't think that it necessarily because um in a lot of the 101e books that that are out there I mm-hmm. add the I add the letter Y to the end of a lot of words. Yes, you do. Uh, the 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 one ish books that are out there, you know, the the cunning the the Becunningham the Becunning Wolf books um, that are out there. You know, we we are taught over and over again that the that that magic that witchcraft is 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 non denominational. It's something that anybody can do. You do not have to be Wiccan to do it. And so I I I would disagree there and say that I don't think that people automatically think of witchcraft as a Wiccan thing. Well, but in those books, I mean, most of them wind up using sort of the same tropes over and over again of, you know, you, oh, you don't have to be Wiccan to do this magic. Now go cast your circle and call on the goddess. Well, that's true. And, 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 and well, so and, I, I suppose and majority, it's, it's, it, it turns into a lot of do as I write here in black and white and don't do as I'm necessarily outlining for you to do, I suppose. But see, what's, what's really interesting to me is most of the 101 books, they teach you the Wheel of the Year, they teach you a little bit about the God and the Goddess, they teach you a little bit about, um, you know, how to set up a ritual circle, and then the rest of the book is devoted to how to do magic. Because magic is what sells. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to all of those, you know, devout Wiccans out there. The Lord and Lady do not sell books. Mm-mm. Magic sells books. E- even even in like and I, the Dorothy Morrison books that are specifically on, you know, here well, no, I guess they're called Sun Magic and Moon Magic, never mind. Well, yeah, I mean that's what sells is books about, yeah. you know, spell books. She books can't she can't magic. write a book about the theology of the god. She has to write a book about how to do magic with the god and how to do magic with the goddess and the moon and the sun and all of that kind of thing. Well, and at least for me, that's the fun stuff. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. I like magic. I think it's fun. I have had great success in the past. I have also had colossal failures. You've been, is- you've been having some pretty good success as of late. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to go to your I'm just going to go to your house and steal that altar. I'm not going to lie. There is a Twitter picture up now. I just put it up this morning of my little Fortuna altar that I adore. I am, I am stealing it. I'm, I I'm not ne- even going to recreate. I'm just going to steal it out of your house because apparently this, it's magical. This is my first ever deity altar ever. And I love it. It is like my favorite thing ever. Well, because it's so, working so damn well for you. And whenever well, even you- before, even before it started working so well for me, I just, I, I loved it. I, yeah. But then again, I'm all about the aesthetic. Where anyway, back the, to my where point. Where did you get the Fortuna statue? <laughs> where do you think I ordered it from Amazon? <laughs> You know, every time you talk about Fortuna, Velma, I instantly get the Carl Orff, Carmina Burana, O Fortuna song in my head. Have have you heard the story of of how she arrived in in my face? Yes. Uh So, yeah, that's that's part of it. Um, But... But no, back to my point. That that is what the emphasis emphasis is on. 
in our community is magic. Magic, 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 magic. If you don't know how to do magic, you are crappy, whatever you want to call yourself, Wiccan, witch. I'm going to do some pandering whatever. here, and I'm going to say that I think that that um, Hayao Miyazaki has a great handle on what magic is. Okay. Because <laughs> I want to get Corey on my side. Well, well, yeah. But again, like, it's just that it, it – okay. I, I think, again, we all sort of agree – at what what with each other on what these things are, but the, when when the question was phrased as what does the general neo pagan community believe about magic versus witchcraft, I, I just I just think that most of the neo pagans in the neo pagan community either uh, either treat witchcraft as something sort of religious. Or- yeah, and and thinking about it, I I mean I guess I'm sitting here in my library on the computer and I'm looking at all of the books and I see you know. Fiona Horn's book called Witch, which is all about Wicca. And, you know, the Silver Ravenwolf book, Solitary Witch, which is well, an encyclopedia and, and of you, One of the shows that Wicca. you've listened to, Hex Education, um, uh, Lori Bruno says that witchcraft, capital W, is a religion. Mm. It is the religion uh, yes. of witchcraft. Yes. And if you get into European culture, it's mm-hmm. it's different because the the terminology is used differently um i think in america there has been more of a delineation between witch and wiccan um Mm. but i think in in european culture and in european traditions there isn't for for whatever reason which you would think the stigma would be just as big in europe where the witch trials actually happened um but you know there there doesn't seem to be as much of a stigma about saying you know i'm a witch as there is in, in America. And I don't know why that is, but I, I think that's part of the reason why so many people who really may or may not be Wiccan, if you ask them what they are, they say they're Wiccan because what that means is I do magic, but I don't have to say I'm a witch because then you'll think I'm a Satan worshiper. So I'll just say I'm a Wiccan because that's a nice fluffy term that you either don't understand or will think is positive. Right. But no, I I do kind of see where you're going um, as far as the community thinking that it is all meshed together. So mm-hmm. what do well, but, uh, to, to so be what fair we... though that if if you're if you're reading a lot of the books that are out in the you know in the most of the bookstores and you're reading a lot of the you know the sort of those those books that are put on the you know the major bookstore bookshelves, a lot of it is Wicca or Wicca-ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 Wicca or Wicca light or a conglomeration of something else and Wicca. I mean, it's just Wicca is the the biggest pagan religion. It's the most pervasive. And even people that are like, oh, no, I'm totally not Wiccan. I'm so not Wiccan. And then you look at their altar and they have their goddess on the left side and their god <laughs> statue on the right side. And they've got a cauldron here and they got the athame. It's like. Well, what about do, do you do you celebrate the eight sabbaths? Yes. Do you call the Lord and Lady and cast a circle? Yes. Do you, <laughs> you obviously have your altar set up in this way. Yes. In what way are you not Wiccan? Right. And well, and I mean, and that gets into a whole other argument because people who are Gardnerian or Alexandrian Wiccan hear that and get you know get their hackles up sometimes that you know everybody calls themselves Wiccan and so now I know when I was studying with the outer court of the Gardnerian group they had started moving towards doing spelling Wicca with just one C to differentiate themselves and referring to themselves as British traditional witchcraft or BTW specifically because they're trying to de- delineate themselves from these I'm gonna start spelling my name with a J and a Q just so that <laughs> I can delineate myself from everybody yeah, else I mean it's it's just there's this this I guess need to 
I don't know if it's a need to be different, but it's a it's there's a need to We're a bunch of pagan hipsters. Yeah, I mean there's a there's no, an element it, to that. It all comes back to I have to be a special snowflake. Nobody else can use the same word that I use to define myself because I am special. I am not like those people. I have to have my own way of spelling everything because that way you'll know that it's mine and not theirs because I'm not one of them. I am me, 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 me. Well, but then I, I will, I those... will throw, I will throw my theory out there and let the world eviscerate it or, or what these words mean to me. And, and the people that think that witchcraft is a religion can eviscerate it. And the people that think I'm wrong can eviscerate it, whatever. And I never, I hardly ever do this. Just throw myself raw out there. But can you say eviscerate one more time, please? Eviscerate. Thank you. Ooh, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Ooh. <laughs> Yay. Corey. Corey is officially a, th- a third co-host for the show. <laughs> officially. Done. It's done. I just made a blood pact with myself. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Do you need a Band-Aid? <laughs> Well, no, because I gave the blood to myself, so I didn't have to actually cut myself open. Oh, okay. Um, I just circulated it around a little bit. Um, <laughs> that sounds a little That's, personal, and I don't dirty. really need to see that. <laughs> we don't need to know that much. Just make your point. Is this? Are you cluster fluffing while you're doing this now? Oh, wow. Wow. Man, I'm going to have to go buy some of that ice cream now. Okay, uh, come on. Back to the point. I think magic... <laughs> I think magic is an intranatural energy that um, that is is sort of in all things. It's part of the natural world. I do not think it's supernatural or extra natural or anything like that. It's not above or outside of nature. I think it is in nature um, that all things, all people can uh, access should they choose to through witchcraft, what I would call witchcraft. And witchcraft for me is the action of taking various acts in whatever way you want to say that you're taking, you, you, you are doing an act, you are uh, focusing that energy in some way. Um, and you are focusing this magical energy to do a, a task for you. And see, I, I disagree. I don't think a Catholic going to church and lighting a candle for someone is witchcraft. I do think it's magic. I don't think it's witchcraft. See, I just think it's prayer and I delineate prayer and, and what the divine does differently from what, because I think an atheist could do magic. But see, I think, I think prayer is the spiritual component, which is, which all happens in your head. A lot of people verbalize it, but technically prayer happens in your head. It's, it's just the emotion, the, the emotion, the intent, the wording, the the energy that you put into it it's the lighting of the that. candle the lighting yeah. of the candle is what makes it magic instead of mm-hmm. prayer to me but i don't think lighting that candle makes it witchcraft mhm yeah and for in in and i'm kind of uh, firelight i'm really on your side about the magic isn't everything magic is everywhere i i, I tend be- to think because i use the words hayao miyazaki absolutely it's the it's that <laughs> sense of the world is imbued with a sense of wonder and and all we have to do is wake up to see that wonder uh, and it's and it makes the world a magical place, but I think there's a difference between that magic, which maybe maybe magic with a big M that imbues the world with wonder, and folk magic uh, with with lowercase letters, which folk magic witchcraft to me is one type of folk magic. Um, Curanderismo is another type of folk magic. Uh, you know, there there are all these subsets of folk magic um, that 
exist out there. And, and witchcraft is just is just one of them, and it's the one that we're probably all most familiar with and most comfortable with. But and, and again, just for my personal term, my personal understanding of what a witchcraft is, it is a the the craft of a witch. And I would say that somebody's folk magic is a type of witchcraft, is the craft of that particular witch, or it's the okay, craft so, of that particular spellcaster. So then I have a question for you. Okay, so if witchcraft is the craft of a witch, what makes somebody a witch as opposed to not a witch? Um And wi- could someone who is not a witch perform witchcraft or would it then be magic? On their thirteenth we, we can't tell you you're not initiated. On their their 13th birthday, they start floating out of bed, and then they get... They have to leave home on their 13th birthday for a year to train an apprentice in a strange Okay, no, seriously, I'm asking the question question in all seriousness. Okay. Like... I don't think I can answer anything in all seriousness. No, I'm kidding. Um, Then I quit. What makes somebody a witch... Well, you, said, you said witchcraft is the craft of a witch. So, uh, so what, what is it that defines well, uh, as a witch? See, and I've talked about this before. I, I just, I, I don't, I, I think a lot of self-identification comes into this. I think, I think when you start defining yourself as a witch, um, that, that really has a lot to do with it. Um, because, and see, I yeah, I just don't know. Well, because okay, so is it is it I've done, that doesn't work for I've me done, not. I've done one spell, so am I a witch? I've done fifty spells, am I a witch? I've done fifty. I've done one spell and it's effective, and am I a witch? I've done fifty spells and none of them are effective. Does that make me not a witch? I mean, it is. It, it's just it, it. That's such a personal term, and I think that I think that that sort of gets into what is a pagan almost, and telling you know by defining it, you're ultimately telling people what they aren't. Um, you know, and, and I, don't I don't know. know. I just I have a problem with self identification being a, a a major factor in determining whether somebody is something or isn't something when it comes to, you know, their spiritual path. Because I mean, that's like me saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm a witch. And have I ever read a book? No. Have I ever researched anything having to do with witchcraft? Do I even really know what that is? No. Why am I a witch? Because I think it's a cool word. Right, but then you also have the people who, you know, they they grow up uh, in in a family or in, in a in a community where perhaps whenever somebody gets sick, there's a specific prayer that they say, and they always, you know, maybe for example, if a if a baby has a a, a cough or, or or some sort of a whooping cough issue, you know beyond medical treatment, they, their family always passes them through a bramble bush or a, a blackberry bush that's grown into mm-hmm. the ground. Okay, so so you've got these components of, of you know, what you could call folk religion or folk magic that they're doing, they would never self-identify as a witch and they would never identify it as witchcraft. But right. from an outside, from an etic perspective, you, you know, we might look at it and say, that's witchcraft because it's it's folk magic. But, but for me, I, I think I do draw a line and say, if you self-identify as a witch, then yes, it could be witchcraft. If you're doing something that sort of meshes with historical perspectives on what witches do, then you probably could also claim it to be witchcraft. But if you're just doing folk magic, well, it depends on on whose folk magic you're doing. Yes. <laughs> 42. <laughs> What's the question? Oh, damn it. Back to the drawing board. (laughs) (laughs) What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? (laughs) European swallow. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) 
I'm not getting that reference. I'm sorry. I'm, what <gasps> is, You're I, not getting that reference? No. Get the get thee to a DVD player. Watch Monty Python. Oh, you know, I haven't watched Monty Python since I was probably 11. The quest the, for the Holy Grail. See? See? Now that's just, no, that's not okay. Does that mean we take away his pagan card? Does that I mean I'm not do. a witch? Does that mean yeah. I'm not a witch? Yes, yes it does. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I am a witch once I've watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Clearly you do not weigh the same as a duck. No, but I remember I remember that, that horses sound like this. Yes, except that you're you are using have, coconuts. You don't have coconuts. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry, but I've got my hands and they're like coconuts. Okay, I'm not moving on. And I feel like we're <laughs> back to the fluff the the, <laughs> the cluster <laughs> fluffing. Yes, I think we are. I think we are. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, so have we we beaten that topic to a pulp yet? Well, the problem with it is I don't think that there's, again, we're, we're sort of talking about it like the difference between science and paganism. There's never going to be one one argument. Right. There's never going to be one one perfectly defining, perfectly uniting argument because this is not Star Trek The Next Generation. The world is never going to combine in, in one happy, <laughs> delightful union and, and well, work so together. Maybe, so maybe the bigger question is not what is the difference, but is there a difference? And I think that's more what we what we've answered. I'm not. The, I'm yeah. I, and and to there, I'm not really too terribly sure that there's much of a difference. I don't think that you're you're really doing one without doing the other in some form or fashion. You know, maybe you're changing terms around or whatever, but in some way, you're you're doing something to cause a change. And the doing something, I think, is the craft part, and the causing the change is the magic part. And and I I I that's where I rest on this. All right. All right. Moving on. I did Google or I, I Amazoned. You can't really that doesn't that Amazon doesn't make a good verb. Give it five no. years, people. Yeah, I, I am I zoned. I, no. I, Ooh. I, I, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I zoned. No, that doesn't that doesn't work. No. Well, Corey likes it, so we voted and you lost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> I, I, I zoned the the uh the new the, the Fortuna statue and I may have to make purchase. Isn't it beautiful? It's so it's pretty. It's very pretty. It's very And they have pretty. one they have one that's like three feet tall that yeah, is a, going a bit too far. But you know, if I had a great big house, which I wonder what which, Sacred you, Source has. Do you all ever order from Sacred Source? I don't even know what that is. I'm sorry. Get thee to sacredsource.com, sir. Uh, they have some of that they have some of the Sacred Source statuary in my local I, metaphysical the, shop. The, but the the Danu um uh statue i think is very very pretty by mickey mueller if i'm not mistaken um very very pretty no is it mickey mueller or am i just lying here i'm very frustrated with my metaphysical shop maxine miller maxine miller danu yes that it's very pretty she she does a lot of statues through there and they're very very pretty Ooh, one's on sale right now for 73.50 squirrel um yes uh we did have a final email to get to we did. Yeah. Corey, did you have time to, to get that email? I have perused it. Most excellent. Velma, do you have it up and ready so that you I can do, read one? I do have it up and ready. Does that mean I get to read this You one? get to read it. I'm going to take a back seat and drink some water. Okay. Well, there's actually two parts to this. So I'm going to read the first part. And then and we'll we can discuss. address that. And then we can do the second part. Okay. Okay. Do, hi, Velma and Firelight. Hi. Thank you for getting the order correct. I was listening to your combined I episode on Curses What did I again. tell you? That was good. And that's what, Corey. You forgot. And <laughs> Corey. 
inciting a new world brouhaha. I'm telling you, oh, this is geez. the new title. This is the new title. No, I told you, Velma, after last episode, we're going to get emails like that now. We're going to it's going to swing back to Velma and Firelight. Of course. Uh, I was listening to your combined episode on curses again. I listened to it last year, and it was informative, answering questions I'd had. However, listening this time, I hoped you may be able to help me figure something out. Basically, years ago, my girlfriend cast a binding on us so we'd start dating. I didn't know this at the time and couldn't figure out why I kept going back to this horrible relationship. Even to this day, nearly 10 years later, all she has to do is call, and I am drawn back to her. So I wonder if... So what I wonder is if doing a banishing to banish her from my life will break the binding. Can I do a banishing to break her binding without her help? Or can I break the binding without banishing? If I wanted to see if we... What? (laughs) If I wanted to see if we can be around each other as normal people. And again, would I need her help or can I do either without her knowledge? Responses? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, first of all, sorry. What? (laughs) I want to break the binding so that I can still be with this girl and see if we can just be together normally. What? I guess I I guess they mean I guess I guess they mean uh, yeah, as friends. Okay, but no, you no, you cannot be around this girl normally or otherwise. You apparently have a, a, a sick, twisted relationship with this person that you want to not be in a relationship with and yet for some reason have uh, have a detachment, have an attachment disorder with this person. No, you should not be around her. And maybe I've been listening to way too damn much Dan Savage here, but you, you, no, no. Uh, I can, uh, we, we can probably help you to to find ways to break that binding. But as far as what to do after that binding, it's it's don't be around this person anymore, or at least not for a very very long time. Um, you know, th- because there, there's more than magic at work here. There's a psychological hold that this person has on you and that you have on them. Um, it's, it's, it's a need. It's a craving that people develop psychologically and you need this person. You've decided that somewhere in your head you need this person. No, no to that. Um, that's just going to be part of growing up and putting your big boy or girl pants or whatever on and, 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 and just simply deciding, listen, I want better for myself than this, than this codependent relationship um that that has done something bad to me for the last 10 years or or however long it's been no no okay um i don't know if this is going to make me sound like a bad person and quite frankly i don't care it's called self it's called self-control absolutely it's called you see the phone ringing everybody has caller id if it's her don't answer the phone if every time she calls you you go back to her and you don't want to go back to her don't answer the phone have some self-control because i can tell you this right now all the rituals in the world that you perform are going to mean exactly jack if you keep answering the phone if you keep attempting to have a relationship of some kind with this person you are going to keep getting sucked back into it so the first thing that you need to do is accept that this person is not going to be part of your life anymore in no any way whatsoever. No more. Not a part Ever. of your life. Yes. Not a then, part. Then, <laughs> once you have accepted that and are willing to, you know, have the self-control and to work on your ability to not allow yourself to communicate with this person, then you may want to consider doing some kind of magical working. But until you can commit to, to that level of self-control, it's not going to help you at all. I can sit here and give you 
50 different ways to do a job spell or to set up a job altar, or I could fax you Velma's fantastically um, <laughs> fortuitous Fortuna altar. But if you are not putting in the legwork, if you do not have the, as my mother would call it, the intestinal fortitude mm-hmm. to get out there and to put in the legwork, not to sit there and click on monster.com all day, to actually get your damn big boy pants on and to get into your car and to go put in some FaceTime and to submit some resumes, you're not going to get a job. You're simply mm-hmm. not. Nobody and is all going the, to and show all the up at your spells- door. And all the love spells in the world are not going to work for you if you sit on your couch day after day flipping channels. And the thing is, there this is, is the opposite. I mean, and, and it's the, it goes for the same thing here. You're never going to get away from somebody. I mean, sure, okay, somebody did a binding on you, and it worked. Yippee, you're bound. But the binding is much more. I mean, you know, I talked about this on a on a show of mine where, um, you know, the, the idea that magic is much more than just this mystical energy. It takes hold in 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 uh, in psychology as well. It affects our minds and we have decided to believe in it. And, you know, you have decided to believe into this in in in, in binding. And, and it is if nothing else, it has taken part of uh, it taken hold in your mind. You, you well, yeah, you are psychologically bound to this woman. It's called code. Yeah. Dependent disorder. And going back to Practical Magic, everybody's favorite movie, magic only has power when you believe it does. Absolutely. And especially in this case, you believe that this binding is what's holding you together. And if you can break yourself of that belief, ultimately that would be what the ritual you would do would do is break the psychological hold that this has on you yes because i guarantee you you are not physically bound to this person and you have to you know chew your arm off or hack through duct tape to get away from them no it's it's in your head it's in in your your head head. and that's what you need the binding obviously worked the binding obviously worked it it bound you but what troubles me the most is that you're already trying to unbind yourself so that you can be with this person in 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 a different way Right. And, and that's no. and that's the real problem. No. It no. That's that's either the binding talking or that's the psychosis talking or that's whatever name you want to label it is talking. Absolutely not. Absolutely or, not. Or, you know, not to be indelicate, your own insecurity. Because it can be scary to be in a relationship and then all of a sudden you're on your own again. Oh, it can be and, very and scary. And I under and I totally get that. But at the same time, it change is scary. But obviously what's going on is not working for you. So you have to change and that's scary. So suck it up, do whatever you need to do to, you know, prepare yourself for that. And then you actually have the balls to go through with it because that's the only thing that is going to help you. But we are witchy folks. And we are. We before, are we, we, before we get into the witchy, Corey, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> uh, on, on, on just more the, the, the psychological part. We're, we're, we'll talk about the, the actual witchy Or the active, situation right. of, in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree 100% about it, it, you've just got to be – you've got to cut ties to this person. This is, this is not a healthy – situation they they did something to you you know just taking this at face value is you know they performed magic on you without you knowing about it it's, okay so they well, didn't feel like they could be honest they knew about it right they did they obviously didn't you know feel like they could be honest about their feelings towards you they they felt like they should manipulate you into love and you know for better or for worse that's that's just sort, sort of how it went and then the relationship has been nothing but bad nothing but trouble there's i mean there's your sign it's not working out just let go of this person this person does not need to be in your life this person does not need to be a part of your your day-to-day existence 
if you see them calling on the phone, like they said, just just don't pick up. Now, you know, I will take this at face value and say, okay, it, it, what you're telling me is they put a binding on you, uh, the, and I, and I agree, the binding worked, and and the binding has you bound to this person psychologically. And now it is time to break that binding. And part of breaking that binding means they need to leave your life. They need to be gone. That that's just that's just the long and the short of it. I um I actually personally went through well I helped somebody go through um a situation like this. My childhood best friend did a out of one of my own books did a binding with her boyfriend that she had in cut in freshman year, and it it the relationship turned into a terribly awful codependent relationship. And years later, I mean, we were both graduated from high school and down the road and she had done it. Uh, I think she put a picture of both of them facing each other and, you know, paper clipped them together. And I think she put her scrunchie around it or some underwear around it or something and stuck it in her underwear drawer. And, did some words and other stuff, but that was her basic binding. And, um, you know, years later, it was it was just this very sick codependent relationship. It was toxic to both of them. And they could not get away from each other. So she comes to me, my good friend Firelight, can you help me, you know, do this? And so I helped, you know, we helped her create sort of this unbinding. And she still had some of the components, but we didn't have all of them. So we sort of had to cre- recreate the original binding and undo it that way. But the problem was she was not personally ready to give him up Mm -hmm. she was not personally ready to give him up so you know and the thing is that the spell seemed to have worked for a little while she stayed away from him longer than she'd had in a very long time like close to a year but my god they got back together they they got married a very short time after that and it turned now they're finally divorced and live in different states which was the only way she was going to get away from him was to move to a different state and, you know, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't, it, it, this was not some Lifetime movie where she was getting beaten up every day. It was just a bad relationship. And they were both incredibly unhappy. They didn't understand why they were still together. I mean, it was just, it was just terribly, terribly toxic. And so I, I will personally tell you, if you are not ready to, and I'm not saying that you personally have to move to a different state, but if you are not ready to mentally move to a different state... If you are not in your head to the point where, you know what, I could be living in, oh, I don't know, Omaha, and be just fine being thousands of miles away from any civilization, um, and them specifically. Bitch. <laughs> just echoing what Corey said earlier. Yeah, but that was off the air, so was, nobody has any context for that. That was off the air. But no, I mean, if you're not mentally ready to to move to a different state, if you're not mentally ready to get to a place where if you never saw them again, you'd be perfectly fine, mm-hmm. then then that's what you need to work on first. Well, and it's it's kind of, I, I don't want to say it's an addiction, but it's... And no, it it's, is an addiction. It's, it's Psychologically, similar. It's an addiction. I mean, it's like... You know, it's like people always say, you know, you're not going to be able to quit smoking until you are mentally ready to quit smoking. You're not going to be able to change your lifestyle and start eating better until you are mentally ready to do that. And there are things that you can do to help yourself get mentally ready to do that. But if you are not in that mindset, all the help in the world is not going to help. Yeah, it just comes it comes down to willpower. You just have to have the willpower to say no. Exactly. Now, if we were asked, hey, fire night Corey Shade, 
because we have combined into one conglomerate. You're very big on that, aren't you? You would just want to squish everything all together at all times. Corey time. did it! Corey did it. It's not uh, me. I, I, yeah, but I, when I, Corey did it, it was funny because he doesn't do it all the time like you do. Okay, Velma Shade. Oh, shut up. <laughs> if we were asked legitimately, hey, somebody did a binding on me, how do I unbind it? And we didn't know all of these other details. Mm -hmm. Somebody did a binding on me. How do I do it without and I, and I don't have access to the bound, to the original binding materials because mm -hmm. my my first instinct is oh, can you get the binding materials okay destroy those <laughs> that's that is my first instinct see and to Rit me ritually destroy those yes but to me it's always if you are not the one who did the binding unless you are very familiar with how the person did it I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, because you know more about this than I do. I don't know that it's going to be overly beneficial to have those original ingredients because you're not the one who put them together. And yes, there is something to be said for ritually dismantling something, but you mm -hmm. also may not have an understanding of what everything that's in that packet or in that, you know, little poppet or whatever. You may not know what their intent was behind each ingredient. Right, Which and means then you may not be able to dispose of it actually the way that it should be disposed of. Right. This, I mean, this is one of those situations. This is why a lot of traditional root doctors, you know, they'll come in and the the person who's being affected already knows exactly what the object is that's affecting them, but they won't touch it because they need a professional to come in and break it down and dispose of it in the proper it's, way. It's kind so. of like dismantling a bomb. You kind don't know of, how yeah. that person put that bomb together, and if you don't know what you're doing, it will mm -hmm. blow up in your face. Right, they they could there could be sort of a, an unintentional booby trap waiting to happen. Now that being said, I mean if you have the original materials and and you feel knowledgeable, please you know why not? But you can also do things without those original materials that are equally effective, if not more so. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, and I'm and like I said, I'm taking this at face value, even with all this extra detail. I don't see anything wrong with doing some some magic to help. You know, this is like what Velma was saying. Sometimes you need to do things to get yourself mentally ready for the break. Well, do some magic to get mentally ready for this break, and then once the break happens, be done with it. Step away from from this person right. forever. So, I, I mean, so I how would you do it? How how would you do it? Uh, first thing I would do is take a black walnut bath where you boil black walnuts uh, until they become kind of a thick um, – it's almost almost an oily liquid. You add uh, that to your bath mm, water. That sounds it's, yummy. It creates this sort of thin <laughs> layer of, of black goo all over your skin. Sounds awful. But it creates, it does, it creates a condition called cut and clear. Um, and uh, for anybody who, who's out there who hasn't discovered this and is interested in hoodoo, Catherine Ironwood – uh, hosts a weekly radio show called the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root, Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, which you can also find on a podcast, and they deal with these situations all the time. So you can listen to these these podcasts and uh, get some good advice for for a lot of different situations. And this just reminds me exactly of one of those situations. So black walnut bath, do a cut and clear that way. Um, then I would say once you've gotten cut and clear, do do you know maybe a love drawing bath for yourself. You know, get some rose petals, throw those into the water, and and wash yourself from the feet up with with this rose water to to invite new love into your life. Somebody that that you deserve to be with instead of this this person who's keeping you hanging on, uh, as the song says. Uh, and then if you, if if you uh, what, have the what opportunity, song is that, Corey, would you sing that for us, please? Uh, get out my life, why don't you, babe? Ooh. Yay! So happy. Um, 
My life anyway. is complete right now. I could die a happy, happy man. You just have to take that that little soundbite and loop it over and over again while you play while you while you do this cut and clear bath. That's that's the rule. No, I think that little clip is going to become my ringtone for you. I'm telling you, that it very well might be. <laughs> so, so if you have if you have this person's picture, if you have something with their signature, their name on it, if you have any personal item of this person, I would take it. I would mix it with some hot foot powder. Um, which, if you don't have hot foot powder, you can get a little sulfur, a little uh, graveyard dirt. It doesn't hurt, uh, and some uh, some red pepper. Um, mix it all together with this object and leave it at a crossroads or uh, you can put it into a jar with some holes in the lids and throw it into a river or you can put it into an envelope and throw it onto a train that's heading out of town. Just get that person magically out of your life. Send them away. And and that's that's, oh, that's kind of how I would approach it as a magical uh, remedy. Um, See, and then and I... stop oh, taking their phone calls. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like everything you've said. I, however, would probably instead of doing a love drawing bath, mm-hmm. I would probably do a like self love or self confidence or See, and that's, or, that's... or you know because part of the problem is a lack of willpower. So if you're getting sure. rid of this person, I would try to replace them with inner strength. Sure, as yeah, opposed, absolutely. As opposed to trying to draw a new love, simply because. If you're just getting away from this situation, how healthy is that next lo- new love going to be? You you need to work on yourself first. Um, yeah, and, and and I think that that's totally valid. Absolutely. Something that I mean, the first thing that I think that once somebody needs to do in this situation is do some very serious purification on themselves to get themselves nice and good and scrubbed. Because I can tell you, no matter what is on me at the time, um, I, I just. You know, I don't care if I feel, oh my God, somebody has done some various something, you know, if I'm carrying some psychic baggage around from being around a negative environment or whatever, doing a lovely saging, you know, burning some of that lovely, you know, purifying incense and getting that and getting just just something about that feels wonderful. But um, in this situation, I do think that it would be beneficial to do a bath because you can you know, pop the 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 drain and, and let it all go down. I think there's something very cathartic about letting it wash away and actually visually seeing it get away from you. Um, my personal purification bath, my own little thing, is super, super, super basic and simple. Um, but, you know, I line my uh, bathtub with, you know, little white candles, um, uh, maybe some clear quartz crystals, just, you know, the, those things that remind me of purification. Um, but I'll also take something uh, like either a lodestone or a piece of uh, black tourmaline, um, you know, maybe some jet, it, it just, you know, one of those dark stones that is supposed to absorb, especially be, uh, you know, absorb negativity. Um, now, I would do one that possibly you don't necessarily want anymore. <laughs> Maybe go buy one for this purpose um, and stick that in the bath. But um, the bath that I make is out of uh, sea salt, rosemary, lavender, and thyme. Uh, The sea salt, you know, is very cleansing and it makes for a good scrub. Um, You know, and, and, and I find in purification, it is best to sort of slough off the old skin to physically, you know, have that sympathetic act of, of shedding the old so that you can be a new person. Um, so, you know, a little salt scrub, um, and then the rosemary is for love, the lavender is for peace, and then the thyme uh, is to remove the sorrows and the ills of the past, which in this kind of situation I think is very pertinent. Um, but the put the three herbs together, uh, you know, in a piece of cheesecloth, stick them in the hot water, let that steep for a few minutes, sort of get that nice little lovely brew going, and it'll smell amazing, by the way, and you will smell amazing afterwards. Um, 
that you know do the salt scrub do a sea salt scrub if you can get one you know that's very cleansing very cathartic um and again have that uh that that piece of of absorbing stone somewhere in there again black tourmaline is good for that kind of thing um but then and again, this is where sort of visualization and all that magic-y stuff comes in handy uh something that i think i got out of maybe a scott cunningham book or something was you know when you're in and i think he uses a river but in in something like this in a, in a purification bath like this sit there and just close your eyes and visualize all that nasty ick that you have about this relationship coming out of your skin as though you were like sweating it out or something is is as though it were this now disgusting black ickiness that is being pulled out of you and put into this stone and then when the bath is over and you've dried yourself or you know if you don't think that you should ever you know tell yourself off if you let the air spirits dry you or whatever um you know and let that water drain uh, drain itself out um, take any herbs that are left take the the stone um, put the stone with the herbs because again those are very purifying um, and bury that somewhere away from you uh, a graveyard would be a lovely place to do that I think Corey might agree um, but you know buried at a crossroads buried it bury it in your backyard I, I would not well no I wouldn't bury it anywhere close to your home yeah. no, don't no, bury no, that anywhere anywhere close to your home bury it somewhere else mm-hmm. um you know, I, I think Dorothy Morrison has an interesting way of doing this. You know, you can use more than just graveyard dirt, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe pick a place. If you happen to be near a hospital, maybe bury it ne- near the hospital for healing. Or, you know, go somewhere that is an area of town where you never go. So that not only will it be far away from you, but it's also in a location where you are not going to be anywhere even remotely close to that ever again right. for any reason. I mean, you could say, yeah, bury it far away from your home. Okay, well, you know, going to the grocery store where you shop all the time and burying it behind the grocery store is probably not the best idea either. If, if you have a friend or family member that's willing to help you out and they're going on a trip in the near future, put it in a box mm-hmm. and have them take it where they're going. Yeah, you know, there's 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 an, another way that you can do this, which is sort of a skeezy way to do it but it's fun why not um get uh, go online or get a phone book from a city that you have never been to find a random address do not put your return address on there put a stamp on it and mail it <laughs> oh man that's like a that, that that is a skeezy way to do that <laughs> it's a that, skeezy way to do it that but boy sounds, get rid of that him. sounds like the way to to create a plot for a horror movie that only velma would watch <laughs> <laughs> And I would watch it. And you I would, would watch love it. it. And I would probably want to watch that too. That sounds like something that comes on late night. And Girl, you, you, you and I will sit down with some popcorn and watch that one. It'll be good. Oh the, my God. I'm getting all sorts of ideas. The, no, it's interesting. The curse because the mail. I, I would actually do things in reverse. I, I like what you guys have said, but if it was me, I would probably and it take. Is because I did bind you to. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That, that's, that's why we do a show together. You just don't realize it. Yeah, I would. I would have no problem just, you know, ignoring you. Actually, that's not true. Maybe you did mind me. Maybe I'm I'm in trouble. No, I. What I would do, I would probably. I was thinking about it as you were both talking, and I sort of refined my idea. Um, See, that's not fair. Getting to go last, that's not fair. (laughs) Yes, you now you understand my evil plan. Um, (laughs) No, I would take. I would get two um, Barbie dolls. Ken and Barbie or Barbie and Barbie or Ken and Ken, whatever the appropriate thing is. And I would 
you, Dorothy Morrison lover. You. I know. I oh love God. Dorothy. Oh, I love it. No. Um, you and you could go ahead and stuff the you know the body with stuff if you wanted to, but you don't need to. Herbs. I would. She means herbs. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Moving on. <clears throat> I didn't get that until later because I wasn't thinking that way because I am pure of thought and mind. That is so you bull these- hunky. <laughs> bull <laughs> so you take- hunky. So you take these two Barbie dolls, right, and you put them face to face, arms out, you know, in, in, like hugging each other. And bind them together with duct tape. Okay. Then before you take a bath, before you do those purifying things, spend some time thinking about the binding that is currently on you and cut them apart. And whichever Barbie doll it is that represents you, get all of the tape off of it. All of it. You can leave the tape on the other one. It doesn't matter. That's the other person. It's their binding. It's their mess. But get all of the tape and as much of the tape residue off of the doll that represents you as you possibly can. Then dispose of that other doll. Take it far away, bury it, ship it to somebody, throw it in the ocean, whatever. doesn't matter. Get rid of the other doll. Then I would do the, the cleansing bath because then you're dealing with the muck. That's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like taking a bath before you go out and pull weeds in the garden. It doesn't make sense to me. You, you take the bath, you, you cleanse yourself, you purify yourself afterwards. Because that's when you're finished dealing with the muck. And then you, you know, keep the doll that represents you in a safe place. Display it on your mantle. You know, however you want to do it. <laughs> that's what I would do. But I would definitely spend some time focusing on cutting the binding away and removing it from yourself. Especially if, as this person indicates, it's such a strong binding that it keeps pulling them back time and time again. I, I would definitely spend time separating those two. Mm. And, and I mean, and something else we haven't, it's funny because none of us have given anything that's particularly religious while we're giving out tips on witchcraft. But... um <laughs> <laughs> one one thing that I would suggest is don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, ask for your ancestors or ask for your guardian spirits. Ask for your your patrons, matrons, uh, whatever deities you call. Ask your Lord ask and Savior them. Jesus Christ <laughs> if that's who you've got. Ask anybody. Just Anyone ask them. You know, say I, I know this person's not good for me. I need help staying away from this person. Keep this person away from me. Let me miss their calls. Hey, let me let me resist picking up their calls. Let me not see their face wherever I go. You know, do whatever you need to do. See, Just and get that's the help. thing is, you may want to do a little anointing on your, you know, on your phones. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's a problem, picking up the phone, maybe anoint some oil, some keep away from me oils. Or if you don't want your phone to short circuit, you can just run it through sage smoke, whichever. That, you know. This is true. This is true. Yes. You know, do some do some keep away from me incense or something around it. Is there not a way to block specific phone numbers on a cell phone? No, I know on AT&T you can't do that. Or or it costs lots and lots in, of money. Least, I would at least look into that though. You can you can call you your can you can do. call your phone company and say hey, or it may just be easier to change your phone number. Yes. Or that. Yeah. I, I mean, because you're starting a new life without this person. There's no reason you can't start a new life without this person. You know. And just, make sure that you're not friends on Facebook with this person. Oh, oh Jesus! Yes, please. <laughs> Make sure you're not friends on Facebook. And you know what? Go ahead and set those privacy settings so that they, they can't they can't be friends with you anymore. Yes. 
yeah. block them Absolutely. or whatever and, and change those. Get away from them on social networks because nothing is worse to get back to. You can sit here and ignore your phone all day long and you cannot be around them physically. But my God, you log on to Facebook. And well, there's your first problem. Well, yes. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> Amen, sister. Woo! Sorry, the, the spirit just took hold of me. And, and that will be your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was little Richard calling me. <laughs> let's see. I, I, uh, I did have, let's see, one last little bit. I sort of had something. When I, when I actually did the unbinding for my friend, um, what we did was basically we did take pictures, you know, of both of them. Sort of, again, we recreated the original binding and we, we you know, did a cord around it. Sort of like your duct tape. And, you know, then you ritually unbind it. But what we did before then was we thought of all, you know, I wanted her to think of all of the good parts. All of the parts that you held dear about that relationship and put them all together. Because you need to, you can keep the good. You can keep the good parts. You don't have to get rid of the entire thing. Keep the good parts in you. You can, because that that helps in healing. You can sort of um, bless that person when you think of them. When you think of them in the future, you know, if, if they come to your mind, you send them. Uh, God, this is very eat, pray, love. This is very eat, pray, love. Um, and I didn't realize how eat, pray, love inspired this particular ritual was. Which part is it more? The eat, the pray, or the love? Uh, it's the part where she is in Italy and she's so fat that she can't put on jeans. You still didn't answer my question. No, I didn't. Um, but it sounds like eating is involved. <laughs> it sounds like eating is a big part of that. That's okay. No, 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 yeah. no. So, so basically, you know, uh, keep the, the good part in you because when, because this person is going to come to your mind, you're not going to do a banishment. You're not going to do an unbinding. You're not going to do a whatever. And then they're never going to come to your mind again. Don't think that once you've done the spell, that means that they're never going to, you're never going to sort of think of them again. That's not how magic works, or at least that's not my understanding of how magic works. That's not how life works. No. I mean, you're going to think of them again. Somebody's going to say, you know, their name and they don't mean them, but somebody's going to say, you know, Linda and Linda might be the name of your ex or whatever. You know, somebody might be playing a song and that song reminds you of them. They're going to come to your mind, but you need to be able to hold on to the, the positive parts of that relationship so that you can sort of in that moment... Think of them, smile, bless them, and then just move on and just just don't let it dwell. Just say, you know, I remember this was a good part about you. I hope you're doing well wherever you are and leave it there. But, but you know, I did have her gather that, that particular energy up before you completely unbind it and before you completely, you know, start doing your unbinding, your, your unwrapping of the cord or your destroying of the pictures or your whatever you, you feel that you need to do to ritually do that. I did say, you know, gather that up and keep that with you um, in some form or fashion. If it's a token that you want to keep with you, a little uh, totem or something like that, um, maybe a necklace or something that you wear, something maybe he gave you, um, you know, that, that was in a good part of your relationship, that, that, was, that was a good part. You can keep that. And I don't think that it would be wrong for you to do so. Um, because, you know, again, magic doesn't make it all go away. It doesn't make I it all better. I think in this case, it, it might actually not be good to hang on to stuff, or at least not hang on to stuff that you're going to see every day. Well, I, mean, this, I mean stuff this particular case, I don't mean and stuff I'm, I mean, I, uh, further to what I was saying earlier, and I forgot to mention it because I got so excited about the Barbie dolls. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I would actually spend some time sort of going through the house and, 
you know, things that were given to you by that person or things that, you know, really strongly remind you of that person for whatever reason, I would I would get rid of them. Or if you are not in a state where you can get rid of them, I would at least box them up and stick them somewhere that you're not going to see them every day. Because because in this particular case, so much of it seems to be a willpower issue. That's very true. That is I mean, very it's, true. it's kind of like, you know, if you if all you do is want Ben and Jerry's ice cream, having it in the house is a bad idea. And, and full disclosure, in this particular ritual, I did not have her keep anything. I did have her focus on the energy, you know, that the, the thoughts and say, you know, I want you to keep those. But the, these are the things we need to get rid of. We need to unbind yeah. those. And I did not have things- her keep anything. Yeah, and if there are things that you just absolutely cannot bear to part with, box them up, stick them somewhere, and label them, you know, do not open until, and then put next year's date. Oh, absolutely. And and give it a year before you go back and look at that. And especially if it's a case where, you know, you have some really nice jewelry or, you know, I mean, whatever it is that may actually be of some value, you don't want to just throw it down the toilet. You know, I mean, there, there may be other things to, you know, other considerations involved, or you may not just be emotionally prepared to actually. You know what would be really great in this instance, but maybe not this particular instance, but great in general. Hmm. Take the old junk, go to a pawn shop, get some money, buy some condoms. (laughs) (laughs) And go have yourself a hi-ho good time with somebody new or several somebody new. And to me, and to me, that just shows your age. I'm sorry. I love you to pieces, but I would not recommend that. Oh man! And I and I could not see myself doing that at all in any circumstance. You know, you were talking Fiona Horn earlier, and she actually has has condom spells. Oh can't. yeah, I know. A lot of people do. I don't. I don't have condom spells. Well, which one of you is stupid then? Maybe you should. Have condom spells mm-hmm. to to attract people to my condom. You never know. I don't need other people. Uh, well, then I good have, for you. I have singular person. But I'm I'm also of the mind that you know you don't necessarily need another person to feel like <laughs> a whole person. Okay, so I'm sorry. I apologize. For some of you, this means go to the pawn shop, get some money, go to the internet. Go to a site called adamandeve.com. And start That's buying. not what I'm talking about either. You oh, don't okay. have to have sex to feel like a fulfilled person. You don't you don't have to be bonking every person of the opposite or same sex that you happen to run into in order to feel like a whole person. You know, but you do have to cluster fluff pretty frequently. <laughs> <laughs> especially if you are, you know, just getting out of a very bad relationship. I think it's actually more more detrimental to go out and screw everybody you come across when you're trying to get over a bad relationship than it is to, you know, have some self-control and try to figure out what it is in another person that is actually going to make you happy. You know, learn about yourself. Learn what character traits you really want in a partner because obviously the person that you were just with is not the the, per- the type of person that you want to be with. So what is it that you're looking for? And I personally, I think going out and just, you know, having lots and lots of mad sex, while that can be lots of fun, is not going to get you anywhere in that process. Okay. <laughs> I'm, just, 
I'm holding on to some very bad jokes. I'm sorry. I'm trying and to I and I'm I appreciate the fact that you're holding on to them. them. So shall we uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> now I'm holding on to bad jokes. But, okay, so let, shall let's we move, read let the us move on. Let's yes, move on. Thank you, Corey. This? I'm going to let you read the rest of this email. Me? Yes. Oh, here, let me pull up my email. <laughs> let me do that thing. <laughs> Yes. Uh, about the threefold law. Now that this person hates us and has clicked <laughs> clicked unsubscribe. Uh, about the threefold law. You gave a few of the. Oh man, really? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Spelling errors, folks. Don't send it to Firelight if you can't use spell. Ch- Sorry. Okay. Uh, you gave a few of the explanations or excuses for why we have a threefold law. I've asked why, and people tell me it is the threefold law because three is the most magical number. Uh, so my question has been and still is, why is three the magical number? I know the god and goddess are seen as having three stages, but why can't they have been seen with four? I understand there being magical things that come in three and non-magical, but why is three the most magical? The one we seem to always accept as the basis for so much. And on the bit about, uh, okay, no, that's it for the threefold law. Yes. Yes. I have a very, very brief, quick answer to this, which is snide and possibly inappropriate. Uh, Okay. Because Uncle Gerald Gardner said so. That's all. I had an interesting idea as to why it's the threefold law that I I saw online on, I think, a message board years ago. But it just made... Such an interesting conversation point. I'm not even really sure if I believe it. I don't think I do. But it's just an interesting thing to think about. And it's this. So we use a lot of the four elements when we're talking about things. Earth, air, fire, water. Um, and this guy was saying, well, the reason it's a threefold law, uh, because this this guy was both a pagan and a physicist. So that was interesting. Um and he said, well, you have to think of it as like the there are four different planes, as it were. And when you're casting magic, you're casting it on the earthly plane. And you're sending the magic out and you're sending this energy out. And it has a target on the earthly plane. Um, you know, there's a purpose for it on the earthly plane. But it's also been sent out on the planes of air and fire and water. And so since there's no target in those other three planes, it returns to you. Bull. And I, that's that's why there's three. You know, I have heard lots and lots and lots of different justifications for why it is the threefold law. And I could go into detail about all of them if you wanted me to. But I think the main thing to, to keep in mind is it's because somebody said it was and everybody else has been scrambling to come up with excuses for why it is. And now we believe all of the excuses as for why it is because oh, if somebody if somebody had said oh it's a fourfold law or as a lot of a lot of traditions say oh it's a tenfold law yeah. they have their own reasoning and their own justification that is just as ridiculous to to verify you know no this is why it's the tenfold well, okay. law it's, it's like it's like the number 23 when, yes but when when you don't know anything about it you don't ever think about the number 23 but as soon as you start saying oh no all of the if I put all of these dates and these numbers together in this certain way, then, oh my God, everything adds up to 23. 23 is the most crazy occult, spiritual, magic, freaky number in the whole universe. Or, oh, my lucky number is seven, and I'm starting to see sevens everywhere. Right, or yeah. I just bought a yellow Nissan, and now I see yellow Nissans 
everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's it's the human mind's biological imperative to uh, to, to see. To, well, not biological imperative. It's it's a biological function. Um, it's one of the reasons why if you stare at snow on a screen, not 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 a picture of snow, but you know TV snow, mm-hmm. um, for long enough, you'll begin to think that you can see faces, or you think that you can see, um, you know, patterns or something like that, because the human mind is programmed to out of chaos see a pattern to try and figure They're out what it is you're looking here. at, to try to try and figure out what it is you're looking at. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's all of that. It is, yeah. why is it three? I mean, you know, uh, 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 Star Foster and I were, were talking the other day on Twitter and she was saying, you know, first Whitney Houston and then Davy Jones. I wonder who's going to be next because these things always happen in three. I'm like, well, thousands of people die around the world every day because there's yeah. billions of people on the planet. I mean, three people have already died. Three people died by the time I stopped writing this 140 character tweet to you. I mean, it's it's just it's you know. To well, and there and and the thing is, everybody thinks, oh, there's all this evidence for why it's a threefold law, and there's no evidence that it could ever be anything else. That's just because that's the evidence that's been presented to you. It's like is, when you hear about what the bleep do we know, it's big news, and then when somebody has an alternate idea or that idea is disproven, you never hear about it. It's called I mean, confirmation yes, there are lots bias. Of, looking, are... looking back at mythology and even history and things like that, there are a lot of instances of threes, but you know what? There's a lot of instances of twos and, and there's a lot of instances of fours and nines and 73s and there's all sorts of stuff and that's the one that we focus on and i have a feeling it's probably not only because of the mythological connections of triform deities but also because of the christian influence of their triform deity the father the son and the holy spirit i have a feeling that that's where it came from that's where it originally came from this idea that three is a sacred number because God was seen as being in three parts. Well, there's even, past, pre- even, you know, past, present, future, and, you know, beginning, middle, end. And, even, yeah. But even going before the Christian deities, looking back at, at other mythological systems, the, the divine, which was the ultimate, was seen as being in three parts. So I think that may be where this idea that three is a powerful number but I will originated say, from. I, but then everything else sort of snowballs well, out of that. But the, the whole idea of three is a very Western idea. It's it is. It's very, very Western. If, and, yes. and, and even, you know, and, and a lot of people, uh, especially in things like when you're talking about the four elements, four elements, very Western idea. Go to Asia and ask them what the four elements are. And they're, huh? <laughs> and they'll say, wait a minute, there's five. Yeah, or right. there's seven, or which yeah. whichever country you're looking at. It's like, oh, well, there's also, there's metal, and there's wood, and there's, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. Cap- Captain Planet looks very different there. Captain Planet <laughs> looks very, very different there. Um, yeah, it, and I mean, what you were saying about the... It, it takes the whole 30-minute episode for them to list all of the elements before <laughs> they can combine them. They're just summoning the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, he comes up at the very end of the episode. There's that XKCD strip, uh, the, that, uh, which I hate that comic because it's so snarky um, and pretentious, which I should I love, love it. it. I love I it. Say, there, why do you... Well, why there's there's the one where Avatar comes up and he says, "I am the Avatar, master of all four elements." And then you know what whatever his name is, Mendel or or whatever, uh, sits there and says, "Well, that was plutonium bending or whatever." You know, I'm the master of all 119 elements or whatever. And I just you know, what if the elements were all of the ones on the periodic table? Sorry, wasn't as funny because I couldn't remember the strip. <laughs> 
or because I've never heard of what you're talking about. So it Ep- has absolutely no re- no relevance Ep- to my world whatsoever. Epic webcomic fail right there. <laughs> Epic webcomic fail. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Like, we focus on the, the triform deities because... Corey, on this show, you're on- going to have to specify, am I right or is Velma right? Because those are important distinctions to make. I think they are both sort of in agreement here. So I'm saying you're right as in Velma light, Fireshade is right. Okay. But... But you know, if you look Corey's at very like, diplomatic, <laughs> Corey can't be on this show. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no more. No more. You must choose a side. There can be only one, and it's mine. This is yeah, this is Highlander. Was... This is Highlander. Bitch, Thund- welcome to Thunder Highlander. <sighs> what? Would you let the man make his point, please? What? Where, where do we go with this? I'm so lost. Thunder, um, thunder, anyway, thunder. but like, it's, like you're saying, you can find you can find these deities that are not triform. You've got Janus, who's two faced, so it's 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 two. You've got I think the the Buddha is known to have four four bodies. Is that correct, Firelight? Well. That's something that happened after the Buddha. I mean, that's that was sort of the mythologizing of who Buddha was. Buddha was a person. Right. Buddha was an actual historical figure. So right. Buddha himself was one person. And but in the spirituality of Buddhism, yes, right. But there's so so there's the concept of the four bodies of Buddha. But a lot of the problem with that is that depending on where you go in the world, a lot of people have misappropriated different faces of Buddha to Buddha. Right, right, right. Yeah, like the Hote Buddha is definitely not a Buddha. He is he is a Japanese luck god. But well, well and and Budai, which yeah, same thing. Right. So, but at any rate, all all I'm really getting at with that is that we we have that confirmation bias because we seek out the things that match up to this threefold law because exactly. it's nice and tidy and neat and easy to work with. But you know, it, like Velma's saying, I, I don't I don't know that it was actually Gardner who introduced the concept of the threefold law. I think that may It's probably have, older than him. It's pro it, it, it may no, be No, no, I think it's newer. <laughs> well, it, it's actually, it could be. It may be it may be, you know, Raymond Buckland or something. Yeah. I think Let's it is Buckland or Valente. Um I think it was Buckland or Valente who who introduced the idea. Gar- Gardner may have made an offhand oh, reference I think to it. it. I think yeah, it may no, have been Valente right. in, in uh, yeah, Evermind the Three. The Rule, uh, the of, rule three. of Three. Yeah, what, yeah I think it yeah, actually... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that was, I think that was Buckland. And that's what... Or Buckland that, era. That is what Wikipedia says. So... <gasps> you just used Wikipedia to do research? I did, because I used Google. The first published reference to the Rule of Three as a general ethical principle was from Raymond Buckland in a 1968 article for Beyond Magazine. Oh, well, there you go. 1968. I, I feel the world coming to an end that the, you just referenced Wikipedia. The Rule of Three later features within a poem of 26 couplets titled Read of the Wikahay. 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 Published by Lady Gwen Thompson in 1975 in Green Egg, which is sort of where you get the Wiccan read, um, and attributed to her grandmother, Adriana Porter. The threefold rule is referenced often by neo-Wiccans of the clan Mackenzie in the S.M. Sterling Emberverse novels. Yeah, no, you're right. Now that I think about it, it it is. Wikipedia is right. But at, at, but at any rate, it's it's a fairly actually, recent thing. You may be right because what they're saying is there was a prototype for the Rule of Three in Gerald Gardner's 1949 novel High Magic's Aid, but it was not called the Rule of Three, and it was not specifically threefold. Well, and it, that and that particular book, although there is some 
factual. It is fiction. It's not, I mean, there are some things in it that he was sort of hinting about that are genuine, but it was not written as a factual book. It, it is right. the it is the battlefield earth of Wicca. Yeah. It, it, it is not so. Dianetics. It is our battlefield earth. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. But but yeah. the thing is a golden rule like that, every people mm-hmm. on the planet, every group of people, every culture has a golden rule kind of Well, thing. it is interesting though, because what other culture not only has a golden rule, but has in 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 like in, in the actual wording of the rule, they have the punishment listed. Like, I mean, when you think about Judeo-Christian golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated, it doesn't also go on to say, or then, or you'll go to hell. You know, it, it doesn't specify a specific punishment for, or, or retaliation for not abiding by it. Not in that same line, but they do I was have, six, say, there, they do have 66. There's a lot of cushioning on either side. Yeah, they, 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 have, they have 66 <laughs> books in that, in that, in that no, book. No, I where... understand that. <laughs> but what's interesting is that when you ask people what is the golden rule, it's the pagans who tell you what the consequence is. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else says, oh, this is the golden rule. You know, treat others as you would want to be treated. Mm. Wiccans will tell you, do it or, you'll, or it'll be bad. Three times over. It'll come back to you three times. Three yeah. Well, and I mean, in Hindu in Hindu religion, there's there's sort of a consequence spelled out, but it's it's a deferred or a, what is it? Yeah, it's a deferred. It's a deferred sort of consequence. I don't Am know. I correct in saying that, Firelight? I'm sorry. Say that one more time. I was trying it, to to calm the beast. In in Hindu my religion, dog. there's the beast is my dog. Yes, it, it, when you're working when you're working with uh, with the idea of karma as it is in Hindu religion, there is there is an i there is sort of a not a prescribed, but there is sort of an idea of there is a consequence. It's just well, the it's the, the law of off. the law of karma, the Eastern idea of karma, um, mm-hmm. in in either Hinduism or Buddhism, is the, literally the law of cause and effect. Right. Um, karma is a Sanskrit term meaning action, um, and it's just it's it's action reaction action reaction. The karma of me nat- me not getting my oil changed may be my car breaks down on the side of the road. Um, whereas right. we've taken that in the Western idea and turned that into God is going to smite you. Right. And it's not a punishment type thing. Right. It's, it's not necessarily a punishment. It's just a natural consequence of, yeah. of, of people's actions. And, yeah. and that sort of explains away why good things happen to bad people. Well, because you were just in the way of somebody else's karma. Wow. That's depressing. Well, it is. I mean, but that's that's the innocent bystander. I mean, the karma of somebody wildly shooting a gun into a crowd. Well, the karma is that there are going to be innocent bystanders that get hit with a bullet, and it wasn't their karma. And that's a problem when you westernize an idea like that of karma, and you say it's this law of attraction, and then you get some people, some other podkin in the in the pagan communities that sit there and espouse the ideas that oh well you know the reason that you got sick was because of this and because you you really wanted to be sick somewhere deep down in you or the reason that 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 you got run over was secretly some down in there you wanted that to happen and then it, it just becomes this terribly westernized disgusting orgiastic idea of things that but, never okay, was okay so so how do you know but okay so in your example of you know some lunatic with a gun comes and shoots a whole bunch of people randomly how do you know whose karma it is it's the karma of the the karma is the action and reaction. So the action is he shoots a gun. The the consequence of that, um, it's the law of cause and effect. So the cause is he shoots a gun. The effect is I get shot by that gun. Um, it is it is that it is his karma. Mm-hmm. And it's always direct. 
Uh, well, again, it's it's pretty direct. Yes, that's that's sort of where the the Western idea of karma. Is. Not as in I've been a bad person all my life and I end up getting shot in a shopping mall. Correct, because you do not build up this weird negative energy of karma. Now, there are things that this is when you get into sort of reincarnation, and then this is when those rules you say, but I thought you said, huh? But if you put reincarnation into the mix, there may be some actions that you took in this life that, you know, say you get reincarnated 100 years from now, the, the effect from that you will not be able to see until you come back into that later life. Right, and that's the deferred the deferred thing I was mentioning. Right, right. But it is sure. it is it is still a pretty direct cause and effect process. It doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm just generally a pissy person, and then somebody decided to uh, some. Well, I, I'm generally a pissy person, and somebody I've never met in a in, while I was on vacation stole my stuff. That is not karma. Right, I, it, or, that, or that is not the karma of I'm a pissy person to the people that I work with. That might be the the, the karma of I left my stuff in my convertible, and and left the top down and walked away. Right, it's not it's not the ten year old girl's then, karma that she gets raped by her creepy uncle. It's 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 you know she's not begging for it somewhere deep down inside, which is <laughs> what makes a lot my of head hurt. Well, so. just th think of, again, think of karma in, it, it is a law of cause and effect. It is the law of cause and effect. If mm. you do something, something else is going to happen. If I take a step forward, well, the effect well, of I that know, is I move I forward. My, okay, but if I leave my stuff in a convertible with the top down, that's not the cause of it being stolen. The cause of it being stolen is somebody else coming and taking it. The cause is your carelessness. Okay, but where is the responsibility then of the person who actually comes and takes it? Would well, that and then, not be and the actual they have their action own karma. that your takes karma, it? Your karma is being take your stuff being taken. Their karma is they committed a criminal act, and the oh, effect of their karma, their karma might be they get caught and have to do jail time. Your oh, karma, head. your karma oh, might oh. be I don't have my iPad anymore. So you you both have karma, and your both of your karmas met. Both of your both of your karmas met at one very bad point, and he affected your karma and you affected his karma in a way. But again, it's your cause and your effect. Your cause was your carelessness. Again, my karma for not taking care of my car is my car might break down on the road. I, I don't have the mechanic to blame. I don't have the car to blame. I don't have God to blame for that. I don't have God and his mighty smite karmic button. That's a Western bastardized idea of what karma is. Karma is, I didn't take care of my car, so this is what I get. I realize this makes me a bad person, but I prefer the westernized version because I actually understand it, as opposed to this, which is totally making my head spin. Well, the thing is, the original version of karma, it's your responsibility. The western idea of karma, well, I get to slough it off on the divine. Well, but see, I don't think of it that way. I get to slough it off on somebody else. No, I don't think of it that way. I think of it, I, I think of the western idea of karma as being this idea that if you are a bad person, then you you get what's coming to you. And if you are a good person, good things will come to you because you've built up this energy around you that is either positive or negative. And I guess it feeds into the idea of the law of attraction where the whole idea is, oh, yes, you know, like attracts like. And if you're nice, you'll attract nice people. And if you're mean, you'll attract, you know, people to be mean to you. That's just my own idea. But yeah. See, and again, this, this and that makes that, that, that's where that that's where you interject Probably karma and the law of attraction was isn't isn't really a law because it doesn't work every time. And 
you know, but it's it's these two very Western, very you know, love and light, new agey things wrapped up together. And, and you know, when karma was was first brought here, it was the original kind of karma. But then we, of course, westernized it, just like we westernized Buddha, like we were talking about right. a little bit, little bit ago. We westernized Buddha and turned him into this big fat luck god. And that's right. that Buddha would have had nothing to do with you getting possessions. <laughs> he'd, he'd have nothing to do with that. He was a prince and gave all of that up to go sit under a banyan tree and get enlightenment for a month. So, yeah. so basically what we're saying about this whole threefold law thing is the, the rule of three thing. Just 86 that. Let's 86. be done with it. 86 <laughs> to three. 86 yeah. to three. Oh, my God. Now I see 86 everywhere. <laughs> like, let's, let's just be have, done with And we that. have talked about the threefold law before being that complete crap. And Something just, that needs to be 86, however, is this show. <laughs> it's been yeah. quite a while. It's, it's been two been hours. And I am... Yeah, and now my head hurts. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, give you some, give you something to consider there, Velma, for a little while. It's because I have your hair. I know it is. That's the problem. That that might be that might be the second part of your ringtone. You'll <laughs> sing, and then it'll be a pause, and it'll be because I have your hair, <laughs> and then it'll just be some breath. Yes, Corey, Corey. No, see, Corey is in a unique position. I have to make sure that I'm not always nice to Corey because he probably not only has my hair, but I know for a fact he also has cat fur from my cat. So we have to be very and if careful. If he mixes those up in the polyjuice potion, you'll become some very strange combination. <laughs> of but if I mix it exactly. into the cluster fluffer ice cream, it's delicious. So Ugh. everything with cluster fluff ice cream is amazing. You should all eat it. It's this peanut butter marshmallowy ice cream. It's the most amazing thing I've ever put in my mouth. That just does not even sound good to me at all. Well, you should go home. You should, you should get thee to a store and cluster fluff yourself as soon no. as you can. No, uh, wow. no, well, Corey, thank you so much for coming and inciting a brouhaha with us today. Thank you, thank, well, thank you. It was you wonderful. For having me. You'll this have to come back very, awesome. very often. How about once a month? Uh, <laughs> I, I can barely get my own shows. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we do no prep because then we can we can make ourselves do a show. Exactly, it's all off the cuff. If there was research involved, we would never get a show. Never, out. absolutely never. So, thank you so much, Corey. Um, witches, you should all go and listen to Corey's phenomenally amazing podcast that is so much better than mine and i would dare say so much better than this show um new world uh, yes. witchery new world witchery with Corey and lane uh in fact i think it's sitting right now at like number three on itunes so uh-huh. go Corey. Oh, yes uh, or at least it was when i woke up this morning it is a it is a really really awesome show. It's one of my favorites, and I will say it is one of the few shows that I go back and listen to again. I do as well. I go back and listen to the story episodes because, unlike some people, um, there are those of us that when we put out seasonal shows, we leave them up for people to download at later times throughout the year when they're feeling a little witchy. You know, you can bite me. I have, actually. Actually, no, I don't think you ever have. You, you tasted like cluster fluff. Um, Corey, Corey, if you wanted to, uh, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how can people touch you? Um, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, yes, you can email me at compass and key at gmail.com. You can follow me on the Twitter at, at NW witchery. Uh, and then you can also just go to our webpage, which is newworldwitchery.com. Excellent. yeah, and you should also check out Firelight and Velma shows because they're fabulous and wonderful, and I love them. Mwah. Aww, and this Mwah. is why we love, we love Corey. Corey. We Aww. love you, Corey. I love Thanks. Corey. Um, well, speaking of our shows, if you would like to get uh, a hold of our individual shows, mine is incitingariot.com, and you can email me. Uh, well, you can email the show incitingabruhaha at gmail.com. 
Um, yes, you can and also, that'll get to both of us. That will get to both of us. And that's for this show. So inciting a brouhaha at gmail.com. It gets to both of us. We do read them. We try to get back to as many people as possible. Um, but we get a lot of email. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do. Lot, get a lot of very wonderful email. And we appreciate the witches. Um, and if you would like to tweet us, I am twitter.com slash inciting a riot. That is at inciting a riot. Yep. And I am at witches brouhaha. And you can find my show at witchesbrouhaha.com. Most excellent. So, witches, thank you so much for being with us, but we got to go. Absolutely. Bye. Yep. Bye. So, later, witches. <laughs> <laughs>